0: Richmond NASCAR Race Review, and uh, joining me for tonight's show is Jay Hughesman. Welcome to the show, Jay.
1: Thank you, Sharon. Another great weekend of racing there at Richmond Raceway with the Camping World Truck Series as well as the NASCAR Cup Series. A lot of different things happening on the track that's going to play out come uh, down the road when it comes to playoffs, I see
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, both of those races were fun to watch, and uh, I'm I'm really excited uh, for the next race that's coming up at Talladega. Um, now, first off, I want to sh- do a shout out here tonight because it's actually Sal's birthday tonight, so uh, he's out celebrating that, and that's why he's not here. So, a big happy birthday to Sal Segala here.
1: Uh, certainly, I did. I, I messaged him. Actually, I think he said, that, you know, his birthday was yesterday, but they were celebrating today. But he also said he was twenty-five or thirty, and uh, well, it showed me how old he is. So <laughs> I, I think he might need to get some glasses or something. He might be old enough where he needs glasses so he can see what his birthday he, says.
0: Yeah, I think he is probably old enough to need glasses. So <laughs> we'll have to uh, we'll have to work on that with him. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into what our agenda is here for tonight. We're going to start off with a few updates from the Arkham Art Series, the East and the West. Finally, we're getting really close, Jay, to that next race for the Arkham Ard Series. So, super excited about that as well. Yeah, again, having to practice some patience. Uh, I know
1: a lot of, a lot of fans <laughs> are a fan of the Arkham Ard Series as well as the east and the west. I know the west has to wait, uh, what did we say, mid-June or beginning of June. So we still got a little bit there, but it is getting closer. So that's all we can say yeah. as far as that. And it, it'll be just as good when it finally does get here.
0: Okay. Then we'll kind of get into our review of the NASCAR truck series. Uh, but before we do that, uh, did you get a chance by any chance to watch the IndyCar series with Jimmy Johnson?
1: You know that... That is one of the things uh, I, I really didn't over the weekend. Uh, I got super busy, and unfortunately I wasn't able to. I know Mike shared something on it, uh, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. Uh, I would have. Had oh, I had okay. the ability to, I would have.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of liked the IndyCar and having Jimmy Johnson in the race kind of motivated me to check it out. I had to record it uh, because – Unfortunately, it was running during the same time that the uh, cup race was running, but uh, it was well worth uh, watching after the cup race, and uh, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed seeing those guys on the track. So we might mention just a little bit there, maybe give a rundown of the uh, finishing order, and uh, and you know find out where Jimmy Johnson finished, uh, but. Then we'll get into our Truck Series uh, race that took place at Richmond Raceway. Uh, that race was on Saturday, and uh, it was another big one with, for Kyle Busch Motorsports.
1: Well, and we've talked about this in the past. It's not just about Kyle Busch anymore. Kyle Busch Motorsports, mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: I don't even know how to say this, may have gotten stronger. We said that it might uh step back or take time to build back up it almost seems like they've gotten stronger with some of the personnel changes that happened this year uh, as well as the driver changes
0: yeah they have been strong they've won uh, several races already in a very short schedule so far so uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit but yeah Big Truck Series race at Richmond this week. Uh, The Xfinity Series did not race this weekend, but we will give you some updates, let you know what the point standings are and any news that uh, is there for the Xfinity Series. And then we'll get into the Cup Series race at Richmond. Uh, That race uh, is taking place, uh, or did take place at Richmond on Sunday so uh that's going to be pretty cool. Uh on the final half hour or maybe an hour, we'll get into our hot topic sound off with our fan for racing crew. So uh definitely looking forward to that as well. So um let's go ahead and get started with the Arkham Menard series. Uh the Arkham Menard series uh, as I mentioned, they're, they did not race this past weekend, but guess what? The weekend coming up at Talladega, we're finally going to get to see them back on the track, and I'm super excited about it. We've waited a long time for the Arkham Arts Series to get back on track, and it's going to happen this weekend, April the 24th, at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. The General Tire 200 will be at Talladega Super Speedway this weekend this Saturday and uh, it will be televised on Fox Sports 1 so fans will really want to make sure that they get into uh, uh, checking that out uh, it's been a while since we've seen them on track so uh, it's gonna be pretty fun Jay yeah
1: well, that's where we mentioned that buildup of anticipation with them not running second off it is Talladega Super Speedway with the anticipation and the things that can happen in that race alone uh that you're doubling up on the excitement great weekend of racing nascar weekend as they call it in the talladega area a lot going on at the dirt track as well i do believe tony stewart's going to be there i'm sure he'll be checking on his cup teams but he's got some business to take care of there too
0: very cool very very cool so uh, it'll be a good, uh, a good weekend of racing out there in Talladega. Any chance you're going to be at the track this weekend?
1: Well, I will be at – right now I'm scheduled to be at two different tracks, and one of them is not Talladega. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> as always, I stay busy. And like I said, it would possibly be at two different tracks on Friday and Saturday, Magnolia Motor Speedway and Jackson Motor Speedway on Saturday. Uh, if things work out differently, maybe that I end up over at Talladega.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll tell you what the points in this uh, Xfinity, I'm sorry, in this Arkham and Art series are pretty tight uh at the top uh, and just to kind of remind everybody, there's only two races in the book so far, so uh it's gonna be tight here at the beginning of the season. But with this race at Talladega. We're going to see some things shake up because there's Corey Heim at the top of the list right now uh, in the series point standings. He's got one win and two uh, top five finishes on the season, and uh, that puts him at the very top of the series point standings. Ty Gibbs is in second place, followed by Drew Dollar in third Kyle Sieg, the brother of Ryan Sieg, is in fourth place. And Bad Moppet, the grandson of the king, Richard Petty, is in that fifth spot. And that's just 26 points from the top of the list.
1: Well, and you mentioned that. You read Corey, Corey Himes' uh, stat line there. And I was going to say, I was looking at Ty Gibbs, and it's about the same, which puts them two points apart. That's your top two, or two points apart. Dollars nine <laughs> back, Sieg 12 and Moffitt 26th, as you mentioned, through the top five. So you're right. And and like I said, Talladega, that's always a shake-up no matter what. And so this only being their third race, uh, we hadn't even settled into a groove yet, and they're going to get shook up again.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I don't know if the entry list is out yet. I was just going to check that out. Um, But uh, I'm sure we're going to be seeing – Quite a few different people. Yeah, I don't see an entry list yet. Um, quite I was going to say, if you find it, let me
1: know where, because I didn't find it.
0: <laughs> in this event. So in the, in the first two races at Phoenix, uh, well, you had Daytona International Speedway, and then we had Phoenix. In the Phoenix race, there were a lot of people from the West entered in that race, the Arkham and Art Series West. They kind of raced together uh, for that event. And, uh, again, Daytona sometimes brings different people than what race during the uh, rest of the season. So I'm kind of anxious to see that entry list, and we'll go over that on Thursday. Uh, but I'm, I'm anxious to see who's, who else is going to be there for that race.
1: Well, as, as you were talking about that, I was just thinking the Sioux Chief Showdown race is coming up as well. Which also normally brings a little bit more of a mixture than the the standard Arkham and series regulars. So we may not get a chance to see these standings settle out at all as we keep shaking it up with the super speedway and then the Sioux Chief Showdown.
0: <laughs> exactly. Speaking of that, the Sioux Chief Showdown uh, is actually going to take place. Well, there's one race before then. Let me kind of hit that race before we get to the Sooch Sheep Showdown. Uh, before we get to the Sooch Sheep Showdown, the Arkham and Art Series East is actually going to be racing on May the 8th in the Music City 200 at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway. And uh, that is not going to be televised, but uh, it is going to be, uh, live streamed on track pass if you are an nbc gold member you will be able to watch that race uh, so you definitely want to tune in for that music city uh, 200 that is taking place on may the 8th at 9 p.m eastern time i'm just checking here to see it, it there is the delayed broadcast if uh, folks want to Set your uh, DVRs for this for May the 13th. That's a Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You'll be able to see it on NBC Sports Network. So the East is coming back in that first week in May or the very beginning of the second week, uh, and we'll be able to see them back on track as well.
1: Well, I'm just taking a quick look there. We were talking about the main series points. In the Arkham Menards East, again, only two races, two different winners. Sammy Smith is at the top of the points. In between the two winners, Taylor Gray is eight points back, his two top fives already. And then our guest uh, last Thursday, Max Gutierrez, uh, with one win, the two top tens is nine points back. Mason Diaz, 10 back. Joey East is 15 back. Daniel Dye and Parker Retzlaff. 19 back, and I'm going to go all the way to 8th. Another guest we've had, Raja Karuth, is 20 back. So here are two races, 20 points from 1st all the way down to 8th. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's going to be a very competitive series, I think, this year. And every race is going to mean a lot for these guys. So uh, Nashville Fairgrounds is next on the schedule for this Arkham Art Series East. Now we'll get to the Suit Chief Showdown. Again, that is a series within a series, if you will. And you get a lot of crossover with this because drivers who can't race the entire series We'll try to get into this Sushi Showdown because it's a separate championship uh, for 10 races within the 20 races of the Arkham Menard Series. So that race will be taking place, the Earth Potato Chips 200, will take place on May the 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern time at Toledo Speedway. You want to get out to that track if at all possible because it's going to be a good one. And it will be televised for those folks that have math tv you'll be able to watch the live race of that uh, uh event so that's going to be cool and uh i think i read too uh let me go back and check this out uh i'm pretty sure i read that they're going to ha- they've got discounted tickets available uh, for that race at Toledo as well. So, yeah, Menards is offering discounted tickets for the Ur's Potato Chips 200 at Toledo Speedway. Uh, the, it's the very first race of the Zoo Chip Showdown. So uh, they're now available and on sale in the Toledo area Menards stores. So if you're in that area, get on over to Menards in order to get your discounted tickets. Uh, for that event and uh, I, I truly encourage everybody uh, to to take advantage of that uh, discount.
1: This is one of the things we've seen from Menards in the past. You want to talk about a great sponsor, not just a title sponsor. I know they sponsor CAR in the uh, Cup Series, but what they put into it as a title sponsor. And I know camping world is another one that that has just been a huge in what putting back into this sport, not just being the title sponsor
0: mhm yeah yeah it's it's really amazing what Menards does uh, for this sport, and they are huge huge uh supporters of racing, so um uh, it'd be kind of cool to kinda check up on uh Paul Menard wouldn't it, and kind of see what he's doing now uh where where are they at now? Kind of thing I'm sure he's doing some racing around uh the Wisconsin area. <clears throat>
1: you know uh next time I get the chance, I'll have to ask uh Clinton about that. He'd be our uh inside information from up up there. I don't know if if that's what Paul did was return back there. I'm kind of like you, I get the feeling he probably is racing somewhere at least uh once in a while. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Uh I remember talking to him and him talking about his summers uh working in the warehouse uh at Menards. So uh he's he's uh, uh a big supporter of racing obviously. He's been a racer for a long long time and uh it's it's really cool. Uh it would be a really cool feature to kind of feature him and what he's doing now. Okay, so the next race up then for the Arkham Art Series West is the General Tire 200 on June the 5th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time at Sonoma Raceway. Again, that race is uh, going to be on track pass for the NBC Gold members. Uh, and just to kind of uh, refresh as well, in case you want to set up your uh uh NBC sports coverage of that particular race, the West schedule, let's see. At Sonoma Raceway, you'll be able to watch it on NBC Sports Network on Wednesday, June the ninth at four PM Eastern time. So uh again, set your calendars for that one because that is a uh fantastic race. It's it's on the road course so uh, you might even be seeing some of the uh uh some uh interesting uh entries on that entry list as well
1: uh most certainly you're right that is one that also does draw a lot of attention from outside drivers whether you call them road course ringers some of the other stars that want to get a little more practice if they feel they need that uh so one thing I wanted to mention there, and I, I know it hasn't been released or talked about yet, but we are seeing a trending in a positive direction across all the United States but also out there on the West Coast of fans returning as well as then the employees. And I wanted to, to shout out for Sal there, uh, giving him a hard time, said he might need glasses. As a tr- uh, race <laughs> photographer, though, if you haven't seen his pictures, I'd have to retract that because he doesn't need glasses. He does such an awesome do- job
0: he with does. his uh,
1: racing action that he covers. Uh, some of the shots he gets are unbelievable.
0: Yeah, he he really does catch some really great shots. And uh, I'd encourage you, if you're not already following Sal Segala Jr., uh, you want to make sure that you do because uh, he shares some of those shots uh, quite frequently and uh, some of them will take your breath away. Okay, let's go over the points, uh, Jay, for the uh, Arca West. Again, this is going to get shaken up because uh, we had the Arca Menards Series as well as uh, the Arca West uh, taking part in this race at Phoenix, their season opener.
1: You're right. This one certainly is going to be shook up as as it was only the one race they've gotten in so far. The one in June will be their second. Uh, So with that combination event Ty Gibbs got the win so is your points leader by six points over Corey Heim seven over Thad Moffitt Kyle Sieg back nine and fifth is Derek Krause at minus 10 and I don't know Krause's intention but I don't think any of them are going to be full-time in the west um, so no I don't think look so. at six you got to look at 6th place then, Jesse Love, which is not a surprise as the top finisher of the regular West Series, 11 back, Drew Dollar, 11 back as well. And then you got Todd Souza and Taylor Gray, 8th and ninth, or 13th back, Trevor Huddleston, 15 back. So that takes you through the top 10 after one race, but we're probably looking at only 5 of them maybe even being regular, so we will see that one certainly separate itself here in a hurry.
0: Yes, indeed. This will be their second race on June the 5th. Uh, so uh, they've got a race coming up, but, again, we'll, we'll have to wait for it. Uh, but I'm sure it's going to be well worth that race.
1: Yeah, road course action, and like you said, we don't know that entry list uh, by no means at this point, a little early for that. But just going based off what we've seen in the past, and Sonoma Raceway is, is such a great road course. I know that one's been on the Cup Series schedule for a long, long time uh, out there on the West Coast. Always provides some great races.
0: That is so true. Okay. Uh, let's talk just a little bit here about the IndyCar race because uh, a lot of folks know Jimmy Johnson. He's no longer racing in NASCAR. Uh, he's uh, been missed, but it was the 48 car that won this week at uh, at Richmond, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, Jimmy Johnson gets to keep his number, the number 48, uh, for the Carvana uh, IRL car, indie car that he drives in that series. So that was really cool to see, and uh, boy, I really liked his paint scheme on uh, his uh, IndyCar
1: this weekend. And that is one that I know that Mike and I did talk about. You're right, the sponsor crossover that has uh, stuck by Jimmy, as well as then that stayed part of the NASCAR Cup Series with uh, Alex Bowman getting his win. Uh, That just tells you what kind of support Jimmy Johnson has, even not having been in IndyCar trying to do the crossover on a limited schedule but the support he has and what he brings for sponsors and why why he was the champion he was and the way he represented himself.
0: Yes. Uh, he yeah, And you could tell he's got a lot of support within IndyCar as well with drivers uh, really getting behind him there. Now, it was the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama, uh, and it was uh, the opening event for the IndyCar Series at the 2.3 mile barber motorsports park out there in birmingham so uh that's kind of cool alex pillow uh was the winner of that race which was really cool and uh uh he uh he uh drives a honda so that was cool to see willpower came in second place then it was scott dixon in third paddle award Uh, finished in fourth place with Sebastian Bourdais, rounding out the top five. The next five drivers were uh, uh, Rhinus BK, Graham Rahal, Marcus Erickson, Alexander Rossi, and Romain Grosjean. So that was very cool. One thing that kind of stood out to me, though, is of those top ten drivers, one, two, three, four, six of those uh, cars that finished in the top 10 were Hondas.
1: Well, that is certainly something to look at. And, again, I am not a big IndyCar follower. I know that Honda obviously has a very strong presence there, uh, quite obviously. But that's a little rare to see one one brand. And, uh, you know, I guess they all go through it uh, in streaks. But to see if Chevrolet can uh, show some competition, obviously wheel power uh, right there with him. There were some Chevrolet sprinkled in. And, 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 again, I can't comment a whole lot on it because I'm not a big IndyCar follower to tell you how that plays out uh, normal or if that's a, a change, yeah. as we've seen before, uh, kind of a shifting yeah. of, the, of the camp, if you will.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. The race started out with a big wreck. And Jimmy Johnson, uh, even though he's a rookie in that series this year, he really expertly maneuvered his way around that wreck uh, pretty darn well. He started in 21st place, and he actually finished in 19th place, uh, and he drives for Chip Ganassi Racing uh, in that series now, so uh, it was really cool to see him. He didn't expect to go out there and win the race, he went, I think, this season. But I think as he gets more and more comfortable in that car, we're going to be seeing some uh, great things from Jimmy Johnson in this series. Oh,
1: you know we're going to. I mean, that's, that's one of those you're right, kind of, especially as the first actual race. Uh, just like any other rookie, whenever you're talking about him, doesn't matter your age. Uh, the experience level obviously you bring something, but the most important thing, especially in switching uh, to a complete different series car, everything like that, is completing laps. Uh, you know, so I'm sure that was uh, one of the main check marks that they wanted to do was complete laps and it looks like uh what, eighty seven out of ninety, so three laps uh three laps to the rear, but that's still I don't think a bad finish for somebody doing that switch over. <laughs> Sharon, you like to see exactly. it when we have a different guest on. You know, that they speak English better than we speak Spanish. He obviously did better <laughs> going to IndyCar than I could, so.
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, the average speed, because this is a road course, the average speed was 110.2025 miles per hour. Uh, the margin of victory was pretty close, 0.4016 of a second. Two cautions for eight laps. And 10 lead changes among just five drivers. And those five drivers that led throughout that race were Pato Award, uh, Alex Pillow, Will Power, Sebastian Bourdais, and Raina Spique were all drivers that uh, led at some point throughout that event. So since this is the first race, uh, (laughs) Alex Pelot is the series points leader, 53 points over Will Power. At 41
1: points And you mentioned that It'll be interesting to see I know you talk about Will Power and Scott Dixon Finish second and third Uh, I do know enough about IndyCar to know You're talking about two championship drivers There and they're right in there again This year even just to kick off the season So it'll be interesting to see If we see some of these other names Stay up there on a regular basis And how that shakes out
0: yeah, yeah. There were about four cars that were taken out in that wreck that happened at the very beginning of the race. Uh, Felix Rosenquist, uh, Colton Huerta, Joseph Newgarden, and Ryan hunter Ray were all taken out in that uh, contact on lap one. So a uh, disappointing day for those guys, but uh, I'm sure they will be back. I think they're racing again this weekend uh indycar is going to be out at st petersburg on sunday so another big race to look forward to there in the indycar series
1: well i mentioned two at the top that i would say again with limited information that i have that are top (laughs) contenders uh the bottom two uh joseph newgarden and ryan hunter ray uh you don't even necessarily have to be a big follower of indycar to know that those are two top names uh that that didn't finish so well they'll be back
0: They'll be back. I would look for them to be making the most of that next race, considering uh, how short their first race was. So uh, it'll be a fun race to watch out there at St. Petersburg. It will be on NBC, and you'll want to check your local listing for the exact time of that race if you want to check out Jimmy Johnson and his number 48 Carvana uh, vehicle for the IndyCar Series. Well, I'd say I, oh.
1: I'd say I would try try again, but obviously this one was the one I kind of wanted to and still couldn't get to, so have to see uh, whether I'm on the road or not. That's always the question: whether or not I'm on the road.
0: A, exactly, exactly. And I don't want you watching TV while you're on the road by any means. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have one of
1: those vehicles.
0: <laughs> well, that's good. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to uh, the truck series here because the truck series uh, is racing or did race at Richmond this weekend on April the 17th, which was Saturday, uh, 250 laps for the Toyota uh, uh, Care 250. And uh, John Hunter Nemechek beat his boss, uh, Kyle Busch, uh, once again, uh, so he earned his second Camping World Truck Series win in the last four races and once again had to hold off his, his boss, Kyle Bush, uh, in order to score that victory by a slim point three zero seven seconds over Kyle Bush and that was in the Toyota Care 250 at Richmond Raceway. Uh, now, uh, Kyle Bush, um, Niemicek pretty much dominated the race, leading 114 of the 250 laps. The win was his first at Richmond, the second of the year, and the eighth of his career. And it was the fourth straight series win for Kyle Busch Motorsports. So, uh, like I said at the very beginning, uh, another big day for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the truck series. Uh, Tyler Ankrum finished in third. Chandler Smith in fourth place, and Johnny Sautter uh, finished in that fifth place, with Todd Gilliland uh, taking sixth place. The pole sitter, Ben Rhodes, finished in seventh, uh, and last year's race winner, Grant Infinger, finished eighth, followed by Sam Mayer in ninth, and Austin Hill rounding out the top ten in that series. So, Grant Infinger uh, actually won the first stage. Nimbacheck won the second stage. There were nine lead changes among six drivers and 11 cautions for 79 yellow flag laps. The average speed of this race, uh, again, this is a .75 mile uh, racetrack, so it's a little bit bigger than some of the short tracks, so it's a little bit faster as well, but these guys' uh, average speed was 77.072 miles per hour. So um, for John Hunter Nemechek, it was his eighth victory in 109 Campaign World Truck Series races. Uh, I, we mentioned it earlier, his second victory and fifth top 10 finish this year. His first victory and first top 10 finish in two races at Richmond, Kyle Bush finishing second, posted his first top ten finish in four races at Richmond Raceway and his third top ten finish of this season. Tyler in third place, posted his second top ten finish in three races at Richmond. And the rookie, uh, Chandler Smith, who finished fourth, was the highest finishing rookie of the race. So do you want to cover the point standings, Jay? Or any comments there before we go to the point standings? Oh, I
1: have a whole lot of comments there. Uh, first, first one would be, you know, normally like if we're talking about hot topics, be like, okay, what was the topic? Was it the Camping World Truck Series race or was it Kyle Busch Motorsports? Because I, they have just been absolutely dominant, uh, starting with John Hunter Nemechek, second win of the year, backing up why he said he chose to go back to the Truck Series, picking up wins mm-hmm. and going after a championship. Uh, And he is full bore into that without a doubt.
0: And Jay, in our fantasy group, just real quick, in our fantasy group, it was Kyle Busch and John Hunter Nemechek were the first two names right out of the gate taken.
1: They certainly were, and unfortunately I wasn't one of those first two picks. (laughs) Um, Me either. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I uh, had to had to give it to James. I mean, he took Kyle Busch from the get-go because, again, in the past, it has been if Kyle Busch entered the truck series, uh, he was your winner. Uh, we're seeing that mm-hmm. change. It's still Kyle Busch Motorsports, but then you throw in Chandler Smith, who a little bit different on that final uh, few laps there, how that could have played out, ended up fourth. But I'm trying to think back of, what was it, 18 remaining when he was leading? somewhere Somewhere in that neighborhood mm-hmm. that – uh, it was in the final laps that he got shuffled back to fourth. But so they had a shot at it, and I know Kyle Busch mentioned it in his post-race, uh, the one-two-three finish possibility. It just didn't quite happen. So right now, uh, when you're talking about the Camping World Truck Series, you are talking about Kyle Busch Motorsports a lot. But there are some others. We said mentioned Tyler Ankrum in third, in between them, Johnny Sauter. Good to see him back finishing. Towards Mm -hmm. the front, I know it's always an evolution in steps. Uh, We'll start with towards the front and in contention uh, for Johnny Sautter. And then when we look at what we're going to look at for the championship, Todd Gilliland in six. Ben Rhodes already has the two wins. Uh, Grant Infinger, and I know that's still a topic, whether or not he'll be eligible for the championship. Uh, He's showing why he should be. Uh, Picked up one of the stage Mm -hmm. wins uh, you mentioned, Sharon, as well as finishing there in A spot. Austin Hill, rough start to the season. He's got to climb his way back in, starting to with the 10th place finisher. The one I skipped there, 9th place, Sam Mayer. Uh, I don't have his stat line pulled up, but he's got very limited truck starts, one of them being a win at Bristol, another great finish. And then that, I know he had some struggles throughout the race. Uh, You're talking about future star here. Uh, If you can even say future, because I think he already is, but... I think more and more people are going to realize how big a star he is and going to be uh, with finishes like this in limited starts.
0: Yes, without a doubt. And, and uh, you know, there were so many league changes, as there always is with the truck series. Uh, it's just such a competitive series. Uh, like you say, right now, Kyle Busch Motorsports is kind of at the top of that list. But there's a lot of drivers, they want nothing more than to be up there competing with that Kyle Busch Motorsports group, including Kyle Busch when he enters the race.
1: I, I, I will say that. He has handled that. I mean, he still says, hey, my team teammate or not, you know, one of my trucks, I want to beat him, and I'm going to race him hard. But he's gotten beat twice now uh, throughout this year already, um, I, pretty happy as a truck owner, you know, as as the team, the team owner, uh but he's still got that drive of hey and he did get one, uh what was that? Las Vegas. <laughs> he get, he got John Hunter Nemechek. So uh they were one and one exactly. now, now John's back up one to two or two to one.
0: <laughs> so we'll have to see what happens in the next race that uh Cowbush enters. Uh let's go ahead and hit the driver points here.
1: All right, let me find no, no, As a the result, the Truck Series points. Okay, uh, obviously been talking about it, and I got a little more to add to this. John Hunter and Nemechek is your points leader. Uh, six starts has already has two wins, which gives him a, and six stage wins, which gives him a total of 16 playoff points. Point I'd like to make is whether John Hunter's winning or not, putting up those uh, stage wins, uh, that's going to be a huge benefit. And I'll just go right to Mm -hmm. second place, Ben Rhodes. Mentioned he had two wins to start the season. That's what he's got, 10 playoff points, five for each of those wins. So he's already six points behind Nemechek, who also has the two wins. And there's your difference, those six stage wins versus no stage wins for Ben Rhodes.
0: Exactly right.
1: Uh, And Ben Rhodes' total is 20 points back. Sheldon Creed is in the third spot. The number two is 54 points back. Uh, There's only a couple I can mention that have stage wins or playoffs because a lot of these are zeros uh, Mm -hmm. because of John Hunter Nemechek and Kyle Busch and the the Kyle Busch Motorsports team. Fourth place, Austin Hill mentioned he had to kind of turn his season around. Right now is in fourth spot, uh, 74 points out. Matt Crafton in the fifth spot. At 80 back, Stuart Friesen, 87 points back. Grant Enfinger, here we go, uh, in the seventh position. Now, he's only got five of the six races runs. Again, that'll be determined down the line how many races he gets in and then whether or not he applies for And NASCAR grants a waiver for him to run the playoffs if he has a truck available for all 10 races in the playoffs. That would be another factor we kind of talked about in our Hot Topics. He does have mm-hmm. one stage, uh, one stage win, uh, and that came, I believe, this weekend. Then uh, at because he won stage mm-hmm. one there at Richmond, so that came this weekend. Uh, Zane Smith in eighth, Todd Gillen in ninth at one hundred five, one hundred six back. Then we have a little bit of a gap, and this is one I mentioned: Johnny Sauter. He's one hundred twenty nine points back, uh, getting his season back on track and righted in the correct direction. Uh, so we'll see how far up the ladder he now climbs. Eleventh and twelfth. All right, truck series. That's where the cutoff line is, right? Ten, yeah, ten positions for the truck ten. series. Mm-hmm. So
0: there's
1: your there's your playoff line. Eleventh and twelfth are your rookies. Uh, we we talk about that every week on, on our preview. Carson Horselor and Chandler Smith at 131 and 141 back from your points leader. However that tenth place of Johnny Sauter is the uh playoff cutoff at one forty one. Horse of war is only two back there. Chandler Smith eleven. let me get math here. Twelve points. Twelve points back. <laughs> yeah, one forty one, one twenty nine. Okay, so twelve points, yep. Tw- uh, ten back from Carson Horsevor. So you got the rookie battle there, the playoff line battle there, uh as well as again we saw Chandler Smith could have come away with a win uh, this weekend at Richmond, had things just shaken out just a little bit different.
0: Yeah. Actually, Chandler Smith is also tied with uh, Austin Lane South. Uh, so Austin kind of fell back a little bit this week. But uh, tied with his, uh, Chandler Smith puts him right in the bargain.
1: It certainly does, and right there, then you got a couple that were expected to be playoff drivers that maybe haven't uh, completely fulfilled the best of theirs their season, Raphael Lassard and Brett Moffitt. Brett Moffitt is a former champion, and speaking of that, Raphael Lassard does have two stage wins already this year. Uh, that's a matter of putting together the complete race. Uh, stage points help and gets in points, but you've got to be able to finish the race in the right position. I think that's where Raphael Lassard is just a little bit, needs that growth uh, to be able to do that, to put the whole race together.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about closing it out uh, with that victory when it's all said and done. And, uh, you know, that's, part of what uh, makes NAFTA's top three kind of stand out from all the other racing that takes place around the country. Uh, these are the elite drivers uh, in the three different stages uh, of the top series here. And, uh, and there's a lot of really great drivers that are racing in this event. So when you think about John Hunter Nemechek and uh, Kyle Bush and even Brett Moffat, like you say, he's a past champion. So uh, Johnny Sauter, Matt Crafton, these guys are all past champions and, and huge, huge, uh, you know, experience uh, among all of those drivers.
1: There, there is, and that's one of the things we talk about. We really like the Xfinity. You'll see, you see a little bit of. But when you talk about the truck series, that's really where you have the biggest mixture of uh, some longtime veterans. Uh, you mentioned Johnny Shire and Kraft, and I believe they've been there almost all the way back to the beginning, if not really close. Uh, and and then rookies and, and new drivers coming in. And then that middle group that uh, Todd Gillen, I believe, has been there three or four years. Uh, so you have a, that complete package um, like I said, the Xfinity or Cup, you still have veterans and rookies, but not like you do here in the truck series.
0: That's true. You really don't. Uh, and, and, uh, it's, uh, there's quite a few rookies in the truck series this year as, to, as opposed to the other series. Uh, when you think about Haley Deegan and Chase Purdy being part of that group as well. So, uh, those are all really good drivers and everybody's on a different learning curve here. Uh, but uh it's it's really cool to see so many rookies coming into the series with that mix of veterans.
1: Well, and I know it's the Affinity series tagline, which I understand of this is where names are made, but I'd have to say the truck series is maybe if you're not an Arkham and Arbs East or West, uh, like we are And and cover on this show But it's where you at least start hearing their name As they are part of the NASCAR's top three level But, you know, myself And I know Sharon, you're one that that have followed The East and West series for a long time We already know their name Even when they get to the the truck series And we're just excited about how how well they do And continue to build that legacy But for some fans that maybe are only watching The NASCAR's top three That's where they're first starting to learn these names And see exactly uh, where they're at
0: Exactly. And, and uh, uh, you know, it's really fun watching these guys as they work their way up the NASCAR ladder, if you will. Uh, some some drivers uh, use the truck series as kind of an entry level. Uh, and some guys uh, go from trucks to Xfinity. Uh, some go straight to Xfinity and then to Cup. So, it is interesting to see how the different uh, strategies do play out uh, within the NASCAR Top Three series. So let's uh, let's go and talk about the Xfinity Series here because their last race was at Martinsville, and how about that victory from Josh Berry, Jay, uh, handpicked by Junior uh, Dale Junior, that is, uh, to be part of Junior Motorsports. Uh Josh Berry is uh, showing he's, he's the real deal.
1: He most certainly did. And this is one of those of it is so great to see uh, a driver. And I say up and coming. I know he's, uh, what, 30 years old. You maybe not think of him mm-hmm. as an up and coming driver. But he is in the sense of he has been given that opportunity now to be in that spot. Uh, again, I, I don't have his stat line or uh, homepage pulled up. But he has been with Junior Motorsports as a late model driver for quite a few years. Uh, so we were aware of him. Again, I think being put on this national level, even in that limited schedule. And we've seen that number, number eight team, the capability to do that with different drivers. And we're seeing that again this year. Uh, for him to be able to, again, put it together, he's got a lot of experience at Martinsville with the late models applied that to the Xfinity series and really showed he was going to be the man to beat there.
0: So without a doubt. Um, I know these guys did not uh, race this weekend, but let's go over where the point standings are uh, as we head into Talladega because the Xfinity series is going to race at Talladega and that race is going to be on Fox this Saturday. So... uh, that starts at about uh, 4 o'clock Eastern time. So, yeah, we need to know what the point standings are in case you forgot.
1: All right, give me one driver points. Give me one second to get that pulled up. Uh, this one, the mixture here, I know even from our uh, preview as we kind of covered it, even with them being off, a uh, very interesting dynamic as well. Austin Sendrick is your points leader. And we expected him to be a championship contender after uh, winning last year and remaining one more year here in the Xfinity Series. Two race wins, four stage wins, gives him a total of 14 playoff points. And he's got a 42-point lead over Daniel Hemrick. And Hemrick, uh, without a win, only 42 points behind him, but does have three stage wins, which equals the three playoff points. Third, you've got Harrison Burton, and I know he's looking to make his uh, inaugural cup start this weekend at Talladega. So big things going on for him. We've seen him win last year as a rookie. Uh, Expect him to be a championship contender driving for Joe Gibbs Racing. I haven't quite seen the uh, winning speed and, and situation out of him, but obviously consistent as he's third in points. Then I've talked about junior motorsports. You've got to talk about colleague racing. Justin Haley, uh, their mainstay driver as it has been so far uh, up until this year, in fourth, 87 points back. A.J. Allmendinger, six. I'll come back to the fifth place there in a minute. A.J. Allmendinger is six. And where is – oh, I'm. never mind. Shouldn't have done it that way. I was still thinking last year. Sorry about that. Fourth is Justin Haley. <laughs> Jeb Burton is driving for college this year because he came out of the aid of junior motorsports from last year part-time. Yeah. So I on the right track, I just uh, skipped it. But, yeah, Jeb Burton and then A.J. Allmendinger. It's college racing all right there in fourth, fifth, and sixth. 87, 96, and 99 points back. A.J. Almendinger does have the win. One stage point for a total of six playoff points. Seventh would be Myatt Snyder, one win, the five points for that, as well as Justin Algar from Junior Motorsports. Then you got ninth, tenth, and ninth and tenth. Uh, Ninth is Jeremy Clements at minus 119. Brandon Jones, another JGR driver in tenth, is 130 points back. He does have one stage win as well as for one playoff win or a point. And then Noah Gregson is the 11th place. He's got one stage win for one playoff point. Another one of those we've talked about just got a rough start to the season having to dig out of a hole. He is under in the cutoff point now in the 11th spot. Teammate Mike Lynette is the line. He's in 12th at actually tied with Gregson, 168 points, so 149 back. So right now they're establishing that cut line. Just outside of it, Brandon Brown having a phenomenal season. We saw him make the playoffs last year. Uh, has started out very strong this year. Backslid a little bit now in 13th in points and is 10 points back from the playoff cut line. Riley Herps, uh, another one, switched teams. He's with the in the number 98. Um, Stuart Haas Racing machine is at minus 174. So he's. 25 points back. Again, he's had a couple of rough races. Then you get into where it's interesting. Ty Gibbs, only three starts compared to everybody else's seven. Uh, Pretty impressive there is that minus 189 has the one win. uh, Playoff point for a total of six. Don't think he will be eligible for the playoffs. Again, that would be to be determined. Josh Berry, the other one, six races out of the seven is in 17th um, with the one win and they don't even show him with the five playoff points. So, again, I believe they are fully exempting him, but that will be determined. In between there, uh, Hmm. Josh Williams, again, having a very good start to the year, right on the edge of being in that playoff bubble and talk. Uh, If he has a good, solid finish to the season as we get rolling here, he's at minus 191. On the other side of Barry, Tommy Joe Martin's at minus 203. So those are the ones that are still within contention, Um, One one I'd like to hit there, though, Ryan Sieg, because we've seen him in the playoffs uh, before climbing out of that hole. Still a pretty deep hole. He's at minus 218, has to make up about 60 to 70 points to the cut line. Um, But we know he's capable of running up front and winning a race, especially the road courses.
0: Very cool. Okay, well, these guys – This series has been a lot of fun to watch, and uh, these guys, there's some interesting names up there in the top ten when you think about Jeremy Clements, Jeb Burton, it's been so good to see him back on track, and Daniel Hemrick uh, in that second spot in the series point standings is uh, pretty cool to see. Uh, then you get got uh, these drivers that are kind of on the outside looking in right now. Uh, that includes uh, Brandon Brown, Riley Earps, and Ty Gibbs. Uh, all three of those drivers uh, have the potential to go out there and get a victory and put themselves right into the top 12 uh, by, by virtue of that victory. In fact, Josh Berry, who is in that 17th spot, I'm not sure if you mentioned this or not, Jay, but uh, Josh Berry in that 17th spot actually displaces Michael Lynette. It would put him down below that cutoff line and uh, Josh Berry above it. So uh, some things to kind of keep in mind. If he
1: gets to the playoff, that would be if he gets to the playoff, and is eligible.
0: Right, right. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. We've got a couple scenarios like that uh, to kind of keep our eye on. Uh, throughout
1: this season. The other the other thing there, uh, when we're talking about the Xfinity driver and I mentioned a couple of these drivers digging out of holes, uh Justin Algar at the beginning of the season we kinda had him in that boat, picks up the win in Atlanta and all of a sudden he's right up in there. Uh so that wind moves you in and it just showed the turnaround they had. They they've been more consistent and finishing races putting the whole package all the way around. So these these drivers mentioned uh Noah Gregson, Riley Herbst, uh that we're saying maybe haven't, uh one week or a week or two you can see it turn around in a hurry, especially if they pick up that victory.
0: Yes indeed. Um, so We'll have to definitely keep an eye on the XFINITY series. They are back on track at at, uh, Talladega this weekend, and uh, it will be a big part of our uh, preview show on Thursday night. Okay, so uh, I'm just looking to see. I'm scanning through here to see if there's any specific news that we want to mention here. Um, Now, there was a – well – we haven't really talked about that, so I'm not going to get into it. Uh, hopefully we won't have any rain. Let's just put it that way.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't want to talk about that, do we? <laughs> is
0: it is it possible, Jay, have you seen an extended forecast for this weekend?
1: Uh, I am not one that watches that because I don't want to be depressed that early in the week. I know, uh, obviously... <laughs> Uh, for the teams, it is a factor. Uh, so, no, I have not. And my weatherman, I believe, is already asleep. Uh, I have one that does watch that. You could ask at any time of the day, especially if there's something coming three to five days out. I have somebody that I know, uh, but they, they're asleep. So Thursday, Thursday I'll make sure I get an update before we come on the air. <laughs>
0: Well, some other things uh, to kind of keep an eye on is uh, there's quite a few drivers uh, in the Xfinity Series that are making their debuts. We mentioned in the Cup Series, we mentioned uh, Harrison Burton. For a while, we thought Jennifer Joe Cobb was going to be in the Cup Series at uh, Talladega, but uh, it turns out that she has not been cleared by NASCAR in order to do that so we will not see her behind the wheel Uh, but some other things uh, that's kind of in the news for the Xfinity series is the upcoming Darlington weekend and all the throwback schemes uh, that drivers are announcing for their cars and and who they're honoring
1: And and that is one I know I mentioned it last week already as we start to see more of them uh, we'll talk about them and try and describe it and relate them, but you got to check them out, because some of them are just, uh, this has blown up. I know when Darlington did it, I think the first year, it was kind of a, well, I'll just do this, see what happens. And it has become such a huge, I mean, I think teams are maybe even looking at two, three-year plans of what they're going to do for throwback in mm-hmm. that Darlington weekend.
0: Yeah, yeah, they really plan for this, and and when they make the announcements of uh, the car scheme and, and everything, for instance, Justin Allgower is going to be honoring Dale Earnhardt with his throwback scheme at Darlington. So that's kind of cool. A lot of fans know uh, Dale Earnhardt. And uh, Sam Hunt Racing is bringing back Kyle Petty's Hot Wheels paint scheme for the throwback. weekend. so that's going to be fun. Uh, and and there's a lot of announcements on uh, the different cars for for Darlington, uh, so you can kind of get a heads up on it and uh, check it out. Uh, uh, Tommy Joe Martin's running a Rich Rich Bickle throwback scheme at Darlington. Now, there's a name you haven't heard on big machine racing honoring Dan Gurney at Darlington with their throwback uh, scheme.
1: Yeah, I know we talked about that that one on Thursday especially. Uh, I hadn't seen anything on the Rich Bickle one. I'm going to have to check that out uh, if, you're, <laughs> if you're not a fan. I am, so I've heard that name recently. I got to meet him at Pensacola uh, last year or the year before uh, when I was down there covering that for Fan for Racing. The one thing here I like is you talk about some schemes that are either a favorite driver's, but for even for me, some of the ones that go back to historic ones that yeah, I can go back and, and look them up. But was before my time to see the historic ones, and then like we mentioned, some of the more prominent uh, drivers. Talk about the Kyle Petty Hot Wheels ones. Yeah, I remember that because that was during my era. But still, to go back to them and, and see them brought back in a little bit different way, different car number even possibly, but just it does bring that back that. what I remember. And then, like I said, going back to ones that I never even got to see, uh, some of the ones they've done for, for Pearson, the the silver Fox, uh, kale Mm -hmm. Yarbo is another one. I think the old red or orange and white Hardy scheme that we've seen. So, uh, like I said, whoever, whoever came up with that for Darlington, man, I hope they got a raise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're absolutely correct. When you say this has become a really popular race weekend, uh it it definitely has and uh uh everybody looks forward to seeing these cars out on track and uh it it confuses us a little bit but uh if you if you study up now uh well before that Darlington race you can kind of familiarize yourself and be a little less confused about what which car your drivers driving for that Darlington race weekend
1: that that is one, and I understand that. I, I've seen some fans, and truthfully, my mom is one of them. Uh, that because uh, she doesn't uh, hasn't been a fan as long and following as long. Yeah, she struggles with the Darlington weekend because she's not even sure who her favorite driver or where he is anymore. <laughs> um, exactly. But whether whether it be on that end or even if for us as long term fans and just enjoying them but not matching them up, that one weekend of confusion is worth it because uh, I. I don't even understand myself of how it went from just an idea for one race to, like we both said, an entire event weekend that's being planned out year, if not more, in advance. Uh, It's just become that huge.
0: Exactly. Okay, let's go ahead and move on now to the um – to the Cup series because they certainly had a race out there at Richmond this weekend and uh again uh, what a fun race to watch uh at Richmond with uh, the Toyota Owners 400 uh, and, you know, there were times you thought somebody was going to win and then something would happen and somebody else would be out front. And the end was just as surprising as it was throughout the race with the different people that were up there contending. So Alex Bowman actually stole a win from, uh, uh, Denny Hamlin this weekend and, uh, came home with his first victory of the season. Uh, winning the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond Raceway. Uh, the win was his first win this year and his first win at Richmond and the third victory of his career. Denny Hamlin had to settle for second place. He, uh, was followed by Joy Logano in third. Christopher Bell finished fourth and rounding out the top five was the pole sitter, uh, Martin Truex Jr., the most recent winner. Uh, At Martinsville Speedway So uh, the next uh, Five drivers were Eric Almarola, a good finish for him He's had a rough start to the season William Byron finishing uh, Next, followed by Kyle Bush, Matt DiBenedetto And Austin Dillon Rounding out the top ten drivers There. Uh, Logano actually Led Hamlin late in the race But a caution came out with just 20 laps left when Kevin Harvick actually spun out with a flat tire so the leaders all pitted but Hamlin's uh Hamlin's crew was just on the mark this weekend uh putting him back in the lead with just nine laps left to go and uh he he was uh Bowman passed Hamlin with nine laps to go uh but uh Hamlin won that race off a of pit road Uh, And the race went green with 12 laps remaining. And with nine laps to go, that's when Bowman passed him and held off the number 11 to win by 0.3 seconds. Uh, Stage 1 and 2 were both won by Hamlin. And there were 20 lead changes among just seven drivers, five cautions for 39 yellow flag laps. The average speed of this race was 96.282 miles per hour. So Bowman won uh, for his third victory in that 199 Cup Series races. It was his first victory in fourth top ten finish this year, and his first victory and second top ten finish in the 11 races at Richmond Raceway. Um, so let's see. In 30 races, it is his eighth top ten finish this year uh, for uh Denny Hamlin, uh, who finished second. It was his 18th top 10 finish uh, in 30 races at Richmond. Okay, Doyle O'Donnell finished third, posting his 14th top 10 finish in 25 races at Richmond. Chase Briscoe, the highest finishing rookie, finished in 22nd place. Uh, And uh, it's uh, a lot of good things there going on with that... uh, top
1: 10 drivers in this race yeah again it'd be tough to say where to start but we'll just start with alex bowman uh great to see coincides with uh uh, correct me if i'm wrong is that not mike's last uh uh, what do you call it driver on the hot seat article um so that kind of plays into that i know uh, jayski has an article up about that of hendrick and bowman talking about a contract extension so that bodes favor, in favor of Alex Bowman. I know we've talked about him a couple of times, so uh, interesting to see how that will play out. Uh, tough to say. One, one win a year um, it keeps you relevant, but is that enough? And we'll have to see if this is the year where Alex Bowman moves up to that next top five into the final round, how deep in the playoffs he goes. Second well, place and, there. De- yeah, oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, Alex Bowman, I think right now, is 13th in the series point standings. So it did move him up because he was 17th in the point standings on on the outside looking in. So that win pushed him up to that 13th place spot. So that's pretty cool.
1: It, it is, and, and that does lock him in. But uh, what I was getting at is, is just getting into the playoffs on one win or points enough year in and year out. Uh, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, any kind of long-term contract extension. So, again, you can check that article out, uh, as well as Mike's uh, article on why he's on the hot seat. Either way, good, going to stay, or maybe not. Uh, some A lot of things come into play there.
0: Well, you know they say caution, breed caution. Maybe winds will breed winds for him.
1: Well, and that's typically true, too, of once you get the first one or get on that roll, that's that's very true. And he has been in contention for several uh, this year, or at least in position to be uh, top five uh, finish. That kind of falls in that category I mentioned of maybe just not having the best uh, ending to a race, not getting the finishing position of, indicative of where they're running.
0: Exactly. Okay, now, Denny, Denny cover... Hamlin, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, no, go ahead
1: I was say Denny Denny Hamlin there in the second position that seems to be that's what we've talked about all year. uh he's there, he's contending, and just coming up a little bit short, uh we'll have to look and see if it tells us on the uh, point standings when we cover it the amount of top fives he has, and I'm pretty sure he is still the points leader, uh but doesn't have a win yet this year. And that leads into the how many winners will we have, because right there is one of them. It just hasn't knocked it out yet. And Alex Bowman being one, we've had kind of a baby. So that topic is still going to be a hot topic.
0: Well, and let me just point out, uh, the more different winners we have, and the fact that Denny Hamlin doesn't have that first one yet, uh, when you think about the playoff standings and how that's going to play out, that puts Denny Hamlin in ninth place. Uh, Going into the playoffs, even though he's the series points leader right now, uh, because there's so many different winners, they all jump over him and it puts him back in ninth place. So uh, something to keep your eye on as the season continues to progress with every new winner. It puts Denny Hamlin back another spot uh, in those point standings.
1: So we may we may have our uh, regular season champion starting back in ninth, and somebody that maybe uh, has a win and yeah. doesn't get in. That 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 sounds like maybe the best season ever.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, right now, you got Michael McDowell in eighth place uh, as far as the playoff standings go. So, yeah, it, it's really interesting to see how this is all playing out this year uh, for the best season ever.
1: And and that leads into Talladega next weekend where anybody could win.
0: Exactly right. And wouldn't it be funny, I don't know if funny is the right word here, but wouldn't it be ironic if uh, Michael McDowell wins another super speedway and comes up with two wins and that pushes him right up to the top there?
1: I mean, that would be part of best season ever. I would put it under that category for sure. Uh, you know, we did talk about this as a topic of whether or not even the one win would lock him in, being that we started with the streak of seven different uh, race winners. Uh, two definitely guarantees you as an end driver So that would certainly secure that and is not out of the realm of possibility, whether it be at Talladega or some of the upcoming road courses.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: It, it's it's fun. it's a fun season to watch uh, unfold for sure. Any other drivers you wanna well, uh point out Okay.
1: Here? Um The one uh, the, yeah, there are a couple actually. Uh Joey Logano, we know has won, has been in contention, could be a could have been the mul- first multi winner, but Martin Truex was your fifth place finisher. Christopher Bell there is the one I like in four spots. Uh, got that win, and nobody was disputing he maybe wouldn't get a win this year, but to back up that win, to see consistent top five uh, runs, then we're talking about being able to run deep into the championship. If not getting another win, top fives, being able to make the cut to the next round. In that second pack, a couple that I want to hit there, William Byron kind of falls into that same category. Gets a win, but can he be consistent enough to stay there. Eric Almirola, sixth place, well-needed. Uh, maybe even a little more, but at least it is a start. Kyle Busch, who was my pick, uh, again, doesn't have a victory. We expect it to come, but it came real, real late last year, so we'll have to see Matt Benedetto, another one that really needed to turn his season around and do so in a big way. I don't want to say in a hurry, but we're getting to that, looking at possibly, again, the more winners we get more desperation mode, and Austin Dillon intent kind of falls into that same category. And those are ones that Matt DiBenedetto hasn't won yet, but we expect is is really close. Austin Dillon, one of those of one win per year, gets him into the playoffs. But you got to take that next step and go deep into the playoffs.
0: Exactly, exactly. You're you're bringing up some really good points there. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the series point standings.
1: All right. Well, we've kind of covered some of it already, and I was correct. I thought I would be. Denny Hamlin is your points leader by 81 points. No wins, Amazing. but leads by 81 points. Uh, this doesn't give me the top five finishes like I was hoping it would. Uh, maybe as we get further here, if we got time, I'll look up his stat line. But he does have five stage wins and five playoff points. Now, Truex is your second place, 81 back, two wins one a stage win for 11 playoff points. Joey Logano, one point right behind him with only one win and two stage wins for seven. William Byron in fourth, one win, one stage win, six points. Ryan Blaney, another one that actually has picked up more in stage wins. He's got one win, but three stage wins, so has eight points along with Kyle Larson in the sixth spot. One win, three stage wins for a total of eight points. Now, here's an interesting thing, and one we didn't even get to. I think he was 11th or 12th. Your defending champion, Chase Elliott, no wins, only one stage win for one playoff point so far. Kevin Harvick has zeros. He is in eighth. Uh, Again, I compare his season to Kyle uh, Kyle Busch's last year. When's he going to win? Because he hasn't yet. And, unfortunately, uh, Sharon mentioned what happened this weekend. Uh Stuart Haas Racing and Kevin Harvick, especially as the front runner for them, uh, need to figure out what they need to do to get right on track. Ninth place, Brad Keselowski, one stage win, gives him one playoff point. Christopher Bell, and this is where I talk about consistency. He has the win in five playoff points, but he's back in 10th because he hasn't had that consistent in, in week out. 11th through 16th, this is where we get to the cutoff line. 11th is Kyle Busch. Again, no stage points, no stage wins. Austin Dillon, same case. Alex Bowman now, Sharon mentioned, with the win, moved into 13th in points and picks up the five playoff points. Uh, So that'll be a big factor. 14th, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, 15th is Kurt Busch, and 16th is... Chris Busher. Okay, yeah. that's in... in in. The, yeah, we got a butt with it. You're right. We got a <laughs> butt with that. Uh, Chris yeah. Busher, 16th in points at 204 total. It uh, does have one stage win for one playoff point. What Sharon mentioned of eighth place is if when they reseed him. Michael McDowell is in 17th points. Technically, right now, five behind the cut line, but he's got to win and that puts him in with his five playoff points as well. So right now we have one on the outside but already locked in, and we may see more of that here uh, coming up. Matt Benedetto is in 18th, and if Buescher is the points is 204. DiBenedetto Benedetto's at 175. That's 29 points that Benedetto has to make up, and actually even more than that. Let me correct that. It'd be another ten up to Kurt Busch because with McDowell being locked in, Busher is the one getting pumped out. It means Kurt Busch in 15th mm-hmm. at 214 is your target line. So these guys are—I'm sure they're aware of that. Uh, the next couple: Ryan Newman, Bubba Wallace, Ryan Priest. We saw him start the season so great, has been, uh, might even be his best. I'd have to compare his stat line, his best season so far. Started out really good. But as everybody else gets better and these wins click off, uh, you see that slipping a little bit. And he is doing that without the guarantee of a race. I want to point that out. I know he's got a star by his name. They do not have a charter, so they are not guaranteed to start every race. They have made it so far, and with where they're sitting, they're pretty solid, but that's got to still be a concern in the back of their mind.
0: Yeah, the other thing to kind of keep your eye on, especially with it being um, Talladega this weekend, is those drivers that are further back in the point standings that could possibly come up with a win this weekend at Talladega. And I think about Eric Almirola, he's still good on the super speedways, uh, but it's kind of a hit or a miss. Matt DiBenedetto uh, could do it. Tyler Ruddick, uh could do it. There's so many drivers. That are back in the points that could could come up with a win, but like in the case of Eric Almirola, he's 27th in the point standings, so he has to be in the top 30. Is that right?
1: That's right. He's he's got to be concerned there too. Of uh of um, I didn't realize he was that bad off. I knew he was having a tough season, but if you're not in the top 30, even a win doesn't guarantee you in because it's two points there.
0: Exactly. Top 30
1: in points and a win. Uh, I I did not realize he was that close or that low close to that thirty, uh thirtieth line.
0: Yeah, so you know, just just some interesting scenarios that are kind of developing here and Talladega is always that wild card race that just about anybody could win. Uh, Chris Busher could come up with a win and right now he's below that cutoff line. That would put him right above that cutoff line right now. So uh, and again, that push it that would push Jenny Hamlin down to tenth place. So he keeps getting closer and closer to that 15th place spot. We're going to see some interesting scenarios, I think, as this season continues.
1: Well, and I know I, I was one that when we started the season, and NASCAR came with the best season ever tagline. I'm like, that's a pretty bold mm-hmm. statement to make. But we've seen it deliver so far already with Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500, starting with seven different winners to start the season. we're talking about whether or not they'll make the playoffs if we have 16 drivers with wins. But what I look at, and you just mentioned, Talladega is a wild card. We know that there are certain drivers that are good on road courses, but it's not even that. It's their new road courses, Coda, which Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody has been on. Road America in uh, Wisconsin, some of the drivers have been on it, uh, but not all of them, and it's the first time for the Cup Series to be on it. That's a whole different wild card in and of itself. So a lot of different things, and, and the names you mentioned, and right there with them uh, you mentioned Tyler Reddick, Daniel Suarez, Ross Chastain, previous winners of Cole Custer and Eric Jones, uh, Corey Joy, that's one that I know is a road course, uh, has a road course background, but he he's with that within that line of he's got to stay in the top thirty in points as well.
0: Indeed, you know there have been three drivers racing on Coda, Jay. And I just want to mention this real quick. Uh, they did some testing out there. Kyle Busch is one of them in the number eighteen Toyota. Then you had Daniel Hemrick, the number uh, another. Oh, he's in uh, Kyle Busch was in a Toyota Camry. Daniel Hemrick was in the number 18 Toyota Supra, and John Hunter Nemechek was in the number four four Toyota Tundra for Kyle Busch Motorsports. So three Toyotas, but all different makes makes of Toyota. And uh, there's some statements that came out today uh, from those drivers on their experience. Uh, Starting with Kyle Busch, he said, it's definitely an interesting place, it's a long course, a lot of, comers, uh, a lot of corners, a lot of high-speed straightaways and heavy braking zones, so it's going to have its challenges for the drivers as well as for the equipment. Daniel Hemrick in his Toyota Supra says, I'm blown away. You cannot fully appreciate Koda for itself until you actually come and have a chance to run a lap. We can all have simulation and look at film and do all kinds of stuff But being on the racetrack, seeing all the elevation, seeing how fast some of the high-speed stuff is and how hard some of the braking zones are and how tight some of the switchback corners are, it's going to be incredible to see everybody, to see how everybody, all of us, the whole field, can navigate that together. It's going to be a challenge for these race teams, a challenge for the drivers, but I'm sure we're up for it and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek uh, from the Toyota Tundra said, all in all, this place is amazing. It brings a lot of different road courses together and kind of throws a lot of different components into it. And I think it's going to be fast, going to be a mixture of a bunch of different road courses. And as a driver, I like to see that. The NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race will be the Toyota Tundra 225. So it'll be neat supporting Toyota Tundra driving it out here, and their only manufacturing plant in the world just 90 minutes away from here. So uh, a lot of interesting comments from those three drivers uh, out there at uh, Coda, uh testing uh, this week.
1: Well, and, and there, I know we had that discussion as a hot topic, a tire test, or uh, I'm not sure what kind of testing this was, if that was the tire test, but even that little bit uh, I certainly do think gives them just whether it be a hair of an edge, but when we talk about especially at the Cup Series level, that's what these crew chiefs and teams are doing is looking for that little bit, that little margin, because that's all it's taken with how competitive it is. So, uh, those are certainly ones when we get to the, that race and looking at who we think may do good, being that they have had a, been on the track in a car uh, for that track or that they're going to be racing, might give them just that little bit of an edge that they needed.
0: Exactly, and and you know we, we uh, the thing that I thought was interesting is that all three of those drivers acknowledge uh, that it's going to be fun. Number one but number two challenge for the drivers because they've never raced Dakota before. Uh, It's going to be a little bit of a challenge for them, but it's also going to be um, a technical track, uh, a track that acknowledges all three, all all the different uh, road courses that they race on. And uh, it's, uh, (laughs) it's, it's new for fans as well. So, I think their comments makes it really exciting for us to look forward to.
1: Well, and the one thing that I, that that plays into my mind and I don't remember if they've announced it yet or not, but we kind of expect uh Colin Grayson has made some starts on the cup series with AJ Almendinger. I think that would be one that for him to be in, and I think that really plays into his favor. As a true road racer, uh, we've seen him win on ovals. We know he's capable of it, so I don't want to call him a road racer only. But the ones that really have the discipline, no matter what the road course is, once they figure it out, and I think they're going to quicker, the discipline of keeping their equipment under them. Uh, you know, and we've seen that in the past. Uh, you know, the, When we used to have the road course ringers come in, the Cup Series drivers watched them, learned from them, and realized they had to change their mentality. It's not hammer down on the throttle uh, or, you know, jamming on the brakes because after five laps you're going to lose your brakes, and then where are you going to be? Into the tires or whatever kind of barriers they got out there, right?
0: Exactly. So, um, anyway, uh, I think think this is going to be interesting. Uh, and a lot of fun
1: for fans. Well, I, I certainly do, and I know uh, the Road America one is a little bit more uh, not as technical. I think there's maybe a two, two or three corners, if you will. That, that's how you want to refer to it. So I don't think that one will be as uh, challenging for the drivers. I think COTA is going to be a very, very challenging one, though, like all the drivers said.
0: Yes. So, a little preview there of CODA for our uh, listeners tonight. Uh, We had a little extra time. We could kind of get into some extra things. Uh, Jay, do you want to give us an update on the fantasy group real quick before we transition over to hot topics?
1: Not particularly because I didn't do so good this weekend, but I will.
0: Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had one good one and one Kinda good. Or I had one not so good, and one kinda good.
1: (laughs) Well, I I will tell you that, and I did uh, did after actually just do that uh, at the beginning of the show. Uh, I did get them all updated, so we'll uh, say it actually bodes in your favor. We'll start with the Cup Series. Uh, I no longer have a points lead. I got 52 points, and so does Sharon. So that was one of them where uh, yeah how that. That was one of them where I was like, oh, oh, she's going to want me to talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) So we are tied there. Uh, Sam is, what's that?
0: I was going to say, I I knew I had to enjoy uh, what was happening for a while it lasted because I knew it could be (laughs) fleeting.
1: Yeah, well, that's where I had the position I'm at. We'll get to the truck series with you in a second, but... Uh, you are tied now me and you tied at the top there sam at 46 mike at 45 and owen at 42 Uh, the top ones there the xfinity series i know they were off so give a quick recap there it's tight andy at 32 james at 31 owen at 29 mike at 27 i think that is the tightest one right now at the top now, this one is the one you might not want to hear, Sharon. Let me get over to this.
0: Oh, Total on the
1: truck series. <laughs> uh, had, had it in control. You still have the points lead. That's a good thing. You got 28 points. But Mike and Andy are now tied at 24, only four points behind you. I'm up to 20. Uh, Owen's at 14. So that one's a little more gapped. And then let me pull up the overall. This one, you're still good. Uh have the points lead? Haven't broke a hundred yet. You got ninety nine points, Sharon, but Mike is at ninety six, and nope, nobody else got into the nineties. I'm at eighty six, and then Owen and Sam are tied at eighty five, Andy at seventy four, James at sixty nine, and Tommy at fifty five. And I gotta say, Tommy uh, again didn't get start with us to start the season definitely hanging in there going to be in position when it comes time for playoffs. If he gets a couple of big playoff wins, uh, he's going to be right there with us.
0: Yes, indeed. And I will say too, that, uh, uh, last week I did not get, uh, first pick by the time I got to pick all my, all the, all the ringers were taken and, uh, I I uh did not have a good pick for this week. So next truck race I'm gonna be able to get my choice, I think.
1: Well, I will say that this year this year too. Uh yeah, we still got a couple minutes. Let me pull that back up. Um, talk about how well we do with picking. I know one race I, we we were all and i remember, I think that was the Bristol Dirt race, which again we'll blame it on being new and different wild card, but the uh the expected uh front runners well ended up in a a tangle and, and whatnot but to go through it uh just kind of a curiosity thing pride thing if you will oh now it won't load come on help me out um how many actual race winners we have picked whether it be you know any one of any one of us on the cup side what are we at Race nine plus we had the two duels in the clash, so eleven some races. Or only four times in the Cup Series has the race winner actually been picked.
0: Wow, that's
1: amazing. Yeah, well that's why I said it kind of because I've been highlighting them and I was like, you know, I don't have a whole lot of highlights. Now in the Xfinity Series, the last three races prior to Martinsville, the race winner had been picked. Got a total of four there. And that's in about nine races on the truck series. We've got three, four, five, six. There were 50-50. Six races in and three times has a race a winner been picked. And I, I'd have to go back and look at our previous years, but it seemed like we had, we did a better job about one on the team coming up with the race-winning pick. And this year, it's been not so much.
0: <laughs> it's been more challenging, uh, well, well it's it's been and fun and i thank you for for uh keeping an eye on it for us jay
1: oh not a problem like i said you know i love to do that and it, and it the the fact that it's built uh you know we started with uh just actually if i recall correctly me and you when we do the first started the preview show it was just a matter of me and you saying who we thought we're going to win i was like you know why not we track it just friendly competition <laughs> and see you know we, we say who we think is going to win See how it goes and then we started with Andy is three. Sal, I know, did it for one year of four, and now we're up to eight. And with that, uh, not getting the race winner picks, which gives us a bonus point, we're not getting those playoff points, and that's why the points are as tight as they are this year.
0: Yes. Yes, it it really is kind of incredible. Okay, we are at the top of the hour, Jay, and that means it's time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining us for tonight's show uh we have Michael Orzel. Welcome. Hello. And we also have Owen Stewart. Welcome to the show, Owen.
2: Yeah, it's been a while.
0: I'm glad to be back,
2: ready to talk some racing.
0: Yeah. We're looking forward to it as well, Owen. So, uh with that, uh Mike, why don't we let you kick us off tonight? Sure. A couple weeks ago, it was
3: announced that Jennifer Jo Cobb was set to be the first female to start a NASCAR Cup Series race since Danica Patrick in the 2018 Daytona 500. Unfortunately, today, word came out that uh, Jennifer Jo Cobb was not approved to run Talladega, uh, so she will not be competing for Rick Ware Racing this weekend.
0: Okay. Uh, Owen, do you want to kind of start that one off?
2: Yeah, I um, when I saw that she was announced as the driver of the 15 a couple weeks ago, it was, kind of, I guess I'd say a bit of a surprise, but also not all that surprising given that she does have a decent track record on Super Speedways and the truck series. Plus, a big marketing ploy for Rick Ware Racing as a whole. They can bring in some sponsorship. I was even more surprised um, NASCAR not approve her because I feel – that in the past, as long as, or at least in the past few years, the precedent has been as long as you have run these tracks a certain number of times, whether it be just once or twice, they usually allow you to run. Um, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, James Davison, who was not cleared to run at a super speedway last year, uh, but that was due to his inexperience on the super speedway. Um, and I think a, a big misconception with the Jennifer Joe Cobb thing is there are a lot of people that are tying this back to the incident with Norm Benning this weekend at Richmond, but Rickware Racing actually said that this statement was released prior to the Richmond race, so they knew about her not being able to run at Talladega before Richmond. They just hadn't released it until after. Um, so it just makes me a little bit, I guess, worried about why they made this decision. They said it was because of quality, but... um It was kind of a vague description, so it was kind of surprising to me.
0: Okay, Jay, your thoughts.
2: Okay, it's going to seem
1: really uncharacteristic, but I want to first say, Mike, I love you. You brought this topic up. Owen, welcome back to the show, but I'm not real happy with you because you brought all your analytics and I don't know what I can say that you (laughs) didn't there. Um, But you, you also, and this I don't like this, it makes me bring out the black helicopter. Uh, I was excited to see her be able to start when I, I saw that it that it wasn't going to happen. Uh, as Owen said, the, the reason as to why was kind of vague. Uh, I hadn't seen that Rick Ware Racing had posted that they had actually known about it the week prior and didn't until release that information until after the Richmond race. I don't know why you would wait another whole week to announce that. But I do feel like maybe it did kind of tie back to her having an incident on the track, which I didn't understand why. Because as Owen said there, he, uh, she does have the qualification experience. Not You don't have to prove you can run well. It is just be able to run and not be a danger. So from that aspect, I feel like she has the qualifications, uh, which makes me then lead to that she did have an incident this weekend but I, want, I don't want to believe that NASCAR would use that as the reason not to. And their answer of not really providing a reason as to why, like you said, was kind of vague and leaves that door open. And I don't like that door being open.
0: Okay. Uh, I've got a couple things here uh, that I want to kind of bring up uh, because I kind of saw some conversation about this on uh, Twitter and so Rick Ware of Racing actually came out with a statement saying, we've been informed by the sanctioning body that Jennifer is not approved to compete in the NASCAR Cup Series event at Talladega Super Speedway this coming weekend. This is an unfortunate situation, but as a team, we support NASCAR's decision to uphold the sanctioning body's rules and regulations. So that's the statement uh, from Rick Ware. But uh, uh, Bob Pockris, uh kind of said some things here, too. Uh, I didn't find the one. I thought I had it here. Uh, not approved NASCAR's decision based on performance and quality. NASCAR has been more st- stringent with recent cup approvals. Um, she was... Years ago, okayed, and I read earlier that that was in 2015, she was okayed for the Cup Series, but she, because she hadn't run in the series for more than a year, she has to be reapproved. Now, in order to be approved, you have to make the request. <laughs> so they did not make the request, so NASCAR did not make an approval. So, uh, that's where a lot of the misunderstanding is. Uh, in order for, it's not a result of the rec with Norm Betting that had nothing to do with it. It has to do with the fact that she's got to make a request to be approved in order to be approved, uh, and that request has not been in there because she was not, I think, nor was the team completely aware that if you have, it, although she had the approval in 2015, because it was more than a year since she'd run in the series, she has to be reapproved for that. So of the situation with Jennifer Kjokob, to my understanding and from the research that I did on it earlier today. So Michael, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Well, see, I've seen some conflicting
3: things as well. Uh, I've seen that she specifically did make the uh, required application. It was denied based on quality, which then opens the door to, well, what criteria are they using? Uh, there's been a lot of talk over the past couple of years, especially, you know, Kyle Bush probably leading the charge on that regarding what qualifications it should take in order to race at the cup series level. And if NASCAR wants to establish some sort of criteria in which you need to, you know, have X number of starts or some level of performance in the lower tier series, I'm all for that. I think that'd be a good step in the right direction. However... That needs to be something that's abundantly clear to anybody who wants to enter a Cup Series race, Jennifer Joe Cobb or otherwise. So I'm sure Rick Ware and Jennifer Joe Cobb invested a lot of time and money in order to try and make this happen, and now all of a sudden the plug gets pulled on it. Well, if they knew the criteria going in beforehand, they could avoid what really looks like kind of a PR issue of saying she's going to race, now she's not going to race, Knowing what the criteria is going forward will help to avoid that and also gives lower-tier drivers a goal to strive for. Hey, if I need to win X number of races in the truck series to be eligible for the Cup Series, well, that's a goal to shoot for. If you look at some of the other drivers who've raced for Rick Ware Racing and other uh, teams kind of of that performance level, I don't know that Jennifer Joe Cow's resume is that much worse than theirs. I don't think she's on the road to be a Cup superstar or anything like that. But compared to the likes of Quinn Hauf and, uh, and Garrett Smith, drivers like that who have raced in Cup Series races to include super speedway races, I would say her resume is somewhat comparable. So what, whatever metric they're using to determine quality, I think should be a little bit more clearly stated up
0: front. Okay. Owen, oh, your follow-up thoughts here.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that if NASCAR was going to implement uh, – yeah, like, like was just said, I think that if they implemented a consistent criteria that all drivers had to follow in order to enter a cup race, then I don't think this would be an issue. Uh, frankly, I think that this move is NASCAR trying to avoid another Derek Koch situation from the Daytona 500 where it was pretty obvious that he wasn't, I mean, ready. And I don't think that was even going to be true of Jennifer Jo Cobb if she was to run this weekend. I mean, at the very least, she's been running races on a – a weekly basis for the past decade. Um, but I know Cope had the issue of almost taking out the entire field during the duels and then wrecking on like the third lap of the 500. Uh, and he hasn't really raced in a competitive race car in over a decade. So I think NASCAR in looking at the Jennifer Jo Cobb situation and the scope of Rick Ware racing in general, where they do bring a lot of, I guess you could say pay drivers, marketing ploy drivers in, uh, to bring attention and sponsorship to the team, I think they look at the Jennifer Joe Cobb situation in that same light, even though it may not be, because Jennifer Joe Cobb is a legitimate racing driver. I mean, she drives for a very, very small team in the truck series, and while the, the statistics might not show it, she's at the very least showed up every single weekend for a pretty long time, and that's at least something that I think NASCAR needs to consider when they actually make these decisions.
0: Okay, Jay.
2: Well, I normally
1: don't like to participate in it this way, but a lot of names and finger pointing going on. First off, uh, Mike said Kyle Busch was the one leading the charge of uh, who should be allowed to race with him in the Cup Series. I think the last one I recall, it was Brad Keselowski that said some guys ought, or some <laughs> drivers ought to be demoted. Backing that up, though, he better take a look at his own record at some of these tracks. Um that he supposedly is good at, but it certainly has not been as of late. So you got to be careful with that. From what Sharon reported there, I don't think it is necessarily, and it makes me feel a little bit better that I'll buy that it's not about her incident this past weekend with Norm Benning on a short track. Uh Take that out of it, and I feel better about that. But I still don't like the situation. If it is a, a matter of request and approval – that that time window had expanded and unfortunately maybe that Rick Ware racing didn't It wasn't even aware that that had to be a new request because it had been more than a year uh very unfortunate but then my question is of how long does it take to say hey nascar can we do this yes okay it's approved now if you're going the route of they're trying to prevent a Derek cope situation i don't think you can compare that because as owen pointed out she's we- racing weekly I wouldn't say is generally involved in situations. Uh, again, not top equipment, yes, running at the back and maybe involved in them, but not causing them or, or, or that from that aspect. So qualification-wise, I think she has shown that she is as qualified as, again, some of them that got mentioned that are out there, even in top teams, because, again, we've seen some that haven't had such good runs. So w- what what is the time window? Okay. They say you got it for this year or each year uh, if you've been more than a year. Where's where's the approval window of? Can you ask the day before, a week out, two weeks, month, and, and maybe that information is out there. We don't have it. Obviously, Rick Ware Racing didn't have it, or I'm sure they would have taken care of it. So I, I still don't like the whole situation.
0: Okay, two two points that I want to make uh, in follow up. One is that. Um, I think it is kind of some of the more senior drivers that are kind of driving NASCAR's decision on this Uh, and, and some maybe more subtly, some more overtly, but, you know, we've heard a lot of drivers comment about inexperienced drivers on the track and the fact that they have to race through them, around them, or whatever on the track and how frustrating it is for the more senior drivers. So, Part of it, I think maybe NASCAR is trying to avoid that. Uh, she has incidents in the truck series. If you look at the last truck series race, uh, it was one incident after another, after another, after another. So uh, I, I do think that uh, the the more senior drivers don't want to have to deal with inexperience and the quality of the racing uh to impact their quality of racing. So I think that's part of it. Uh the other thing is that I do think I do agree with you guys that there obviously needs to be more clarity. Now I know there's a rule book that comes out at the beginning of the year and I don't know how big it is. I'm assuming it's a, probably a pretty good size rule book. Uh and how many people actually sit down and read the entire rule book, I'm not sure. But it's obvious to me that there does need to be some clarity uh, that needs to be written into the rule book so that drivers do have an understanding of exactly what it is that they have to do. Now, I think in the past, don't the drivers have to, uh, in order to be approved, don't they have to go out and be on the track? I don't know if it's in a test session or what, but they have to go out there and race on the track with some other drivers or something in order to be approved by NASCAR as well. So I don't know if maybe time ran out for them to do that, but, uh, yeah. I'm I'm not sure exactly how that goes, but, again, there needs to be some clarity. Yeah.
1: I I think with that is if it's a driver that doesn't regularly run in the Cup Series or Arca Menards or as they move up from the Arca Menards, or in the case of Davidson, of, of coming from another series, I think, is when they do have to do the on-track test session. Being like Harrison Burton obviously wouldn't have to. He's come through all the series and run on that track in another series, and that's where I don't understand about Jennifer Jo Cobb.
0: Okay. Okay, so that that clarifies that. But it, it still needs to be clarified by NASCAR so that drivers know exactly what they need to do. Uh, I, I, a lot of drivers, I bet, uh, are just finding out that if you've been out of it for a year, you've got to requalify. So, Mike, you're, you get the final thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, I think we're all kind of on the same page where there needs to be some sort of consistent and widely published standard to follow because if you start saying, well, we're afraid they're going to cause a big wreck, well then Joey Logano wouldn't be racing this weekend. It seems like he causes a massive wreck every time they're at a plate race if he doesn't win the thing. Uh, or if they're going to say, <laughs> well, they cause a lot of incidents in other races, well, look at Cody Ware at Martinsville. I think he single-handedly uh, caused about five cautions during that race. So having some sort of a subjective standard, it, it really makes the waters muddy in terms of what does it take to qualify for the cup level beyond just showing up at the racetrack with a car that's fast enough to get onto the track. So having some sort of a, um objective and well-known standard that they need to meet in you know, an application window, like Jay said, or a certain experience level in whatever car they want to say they need to see experience in, I think that really needs to happen going forward to avoid situations like this in the future.
0: Oh, okay. Uh so we will move on now to the next hot topic and Owen no will let you uh announce what that's gonna be.
2: All right. Well I know we've talked a lot over the course of this young season about the struggles of Stuart Haas racing, but in Richmond there were some encouraging signs. Kevin Harvick ran in the top ten, partially in the top five for the majority of the day before a late wreck. And Eric Almarola finally finished inside the top ten. Um, but Cole Custer and Chase Briscoe continued their early season struggles. Chase Briscoe hasn't even sniffed the top ten all season. Was My question is, was Richmond a turn of the tide for SHR, or was it just a blip on the radar of an otherwise poor
0: season? Okay, Jay, your thoughts. Well, I already talked about
1: this a little bit tonight as we were going through it, Uh, Obviously, some good things to look at there with Eric Almirola getting a, a, what, sixth-place finish. You mentioned Harvick, where he was running, can take away where he finished. Uh, There again, though, um, you you set your own standard. Uh, Right now, Harvick has been top ten pretty much week in and week out. However you look at last year, he won nine races. So it's their own standard. And I think he, on one of the interviews I know I saw him do, He's pointing back to there may not have been a rule change, but there was a a change, in, and it goes back to the quarter panel and the fenders of the inspection process. And I think that is one that obviously Stuart Haas got hit hard. Whatever they were doing that was marginal or maybe not by the rules or isn't being allowed this year uh, I think has really affected them. And I remember when we talked about this, it was more towards the Fords overall that was being affected Them being one of the top four teams So uh, just finding the Way to adjust with that Whatever they lost in speed Or whatever uh, Getting it back Uh, But again I I can't say Harvick's having a Bad year he's having an off year by His standard uh, no doubt And Stuart Haas has never been a super Strong four car team As we've seen from some others Uh, Eric Almirola getting a win Here and there we've seen that Uh, So I think you take it hopefully as a, as a good direction. I think in Eric Alvarola's case, it's just having one of those years of where you're running is not where you're finishing. And ultimately, that's where you need to be because the finish is what counts.
0: Okay, Mike, your thoughts?
1: I'm encouraged to see
3: some, some upshot to Stuart Haas Racing, but I'm I'm real hesitant to say that a single race is a a turning point i'd like to see some more consistency from them obviously this weekend is the bingo machine at talladega it could be that they finish one two three four or they could finish you know 40 39 38 37 36 if they all wad themselves up it's it's just as likely in either outcome the thing that gets me though is jay referenced an issue with tech where they may have changed something on the car and i don't know that i necessarily buy that because you look at their, their results, and they're consistently off the pace at all the different types of tracks. They're off on the speedways. They're off on the short tracks, and they were off at the Daytona Road course. So you would think if it was some sort of an aerodynamic thing, for example, you would see a drop-off at the more aerodynamic-dependent tracks, the intermediates and the speedways, but not so much of a drop-off at short tracks, but they have struggled at Martinsville and Richmond as well. So I don't know that it's necessarily that. Uh, obviously, I'm not familiar with how Stuart Haas Racing or anyone else for that matter setting up their cars and how a potential rule change could affect that, but you would think that if it was a, some manner of rules change or an enforcement change that you would see it affect them more at one type of track versus another, but we've seen consistent off-the-pace results from Stuart Haas Racing that points at something other than maybe one technical change.
0: Okay, yeah, I'd have to agree. One race I don't think is going to tell the whole picture. Yeah, it's encouraging uh, to see uh, Kevin Harvick up there in the top, uh, and uh, he had that blown tire that kind of uh, relegated him back to a not-so-good finish. Uh, But to see Eric Amarola up in uh, sixth place in this race is encouraging uh, for sure. Uh, so it tells me that maybe they have found something that is working for them. Uh, we'll have to see what happens in the upcoming races, if that continues to work for them, uh, and and what they can do to kind of help Cole Custer and uh, Chase Briscoe to have better finishes as well. So uh, I, I just need to see more <laughs> of uh, what they can do at the upcoming tracks and to see if this is a blip, to know whether or not this is a blip on the radar or uh, something that's kind of moving in the right direction. If you think about it, the stewart racing issues actually, I think, started uh, back during the playoffs. Uh, Harvick had such a great season only to get into the playoffs and absolutely fizzle. So I, I really would think that the problem started at the end of last year. And uh, it's just kind of carried over into this season, and now we need to kind of see where it goes from here. So, Owen, uh, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, looking at um, Rich—I mean, obviously Richmond was an encouraging sign for Stuart Haas, and I, I have heard the uh, the issue with the or the car inspection. How Stewart Haas reportedly did have to adjust some things with the car. I know that. Harvick and a couple of drivers from other teams have kind of alluded to that as well. But looking at SHR, I I'm gonna go back to my analytics here. They just have some somewhat concerning stats in the sense that three of their five driver or three of their four drivers have completed over ninety nine percent of the laps and yet they have combined for no wins and aside from Kevin Harvick, I think they've combined for two top tens all season which means that they're not getting in trouble, aside from Eric Almirola, who has been probably the unluckiest driver in the series this season. They're not getting in trouble, and they're still not finishing high, and that's what's kind of concerning, is even in Richmond, when Almirola and Harvick were up there, you saw Briscoe and Custer still outside of the top 20. Obviously, Briscoe's a rookie, and Custer's still young, but after a season in which Custer made the playoffs and was top 20 in points, I think SHR expected... Uh, a lot more out of him this season. And even with Briscoe, um, he is a rookie, but he's an older rookie, and he was considered one of the more cup-ready Xfinity guys in recent memory. So I've definitely just been shocked to see the continued struggles of that team. Um, I don't know if the way that the 10 and the 4 ran at Richmond is necessarily an indication of what is to come, but it was definitely a positive, I would say, just for their future outlook.
0: Okay, Jay, your follow-up.
1: Well, welcome back to Owen and the Analytics. Uh, you know we have a we have a we have a thing on our <laughs> we page it, where you can Owen. share this stuff. <laughs>
0: um I
1: just, I just like the use of the word too. But you're right; I, they, they did kind of almost makes you think maybe it was something they changed at the end of last year with well how Kevin Harvick. Uh, Fizzled as Sharon said in the in the playoffs, but they've all outright admitted that it it did have to do with this year with the Inspection process and I understand what Mike's saying uh, if it is an aerodynamic But that was that too was never clearly addressed or said it was just in the wheel well So it might have been something in the mechanical setup and the grip in that wheel Well, that might have been it which would affect all tracks So I don't know if it was strictly aerodynamic, you're right, uh, that it would show up more on, on the bigger tracks. Um, and short tracks have never been Stuart Haas' racing's strong point, if uh, Owen's analytics will back that up. Uh, I don't feel that's ever been their strong point on the short tracks uh, from that aspect. So that, the fact that Richmond being a short track and we saw some good things really does encourage me from that perspective. Uh, and then, like Mike said, uh, we're going to have to wait another couple of weeks because Talladega, you can't really take anything away from it because if they're running good and all four of them together, and one of them wrecks, they could be whether it's their their wreck or not, could end up in the back. So I don't think you can really even take anything away from this next week at Talladega. So I think we're going to have to wait another week to Kansas.
3: Okay, Mike. One thing to keep an eye on, um, Team Penske has not been as far off as Stuart Haas Racing has been. Obviously, Blaney and Logano have both won races this year, and Logano has probably been the most consistently strong out of the Penske cars. But I don't know that i am getting the feeling that Team Penske is running as strong this year as they were, have in years past. So one manufacturer has put out a hype video for the Gen 7 car, and that's Ford. And I, I can't help but wonder if maybe Ford Performance and the factory support is more geared towards getting ready for next year with the Gen 7 car. And as a result, the factory-sponsored Ford teams, namely Penske and especially stewart Haas Racing, are suffering from maybe a little bit of lack of attention from the factory because attention is being used elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I I, I kind of would find it hard to note, think that Ford would let an opportunity pass them by by kind of ignoring this season in order to focus on next season. Uh, All the manufacturers are kind of in the same situation, so they're all uh, needing to focus on this year as well as next year, and we're seeing some success. Uh, Hendrick Motorsports obviously is doing better than they have in recent years. Uh, So I do think that um, – You know, I do think that uh, it's probably not that they're ignoring this year. I think that there's something – I do agree, though, with the comment that uh, Team Pinsky seems to be just that little bit off as well. And then if you think about um, Rosh Fenway Racing, uh, we've seen some glimpses of some good things going on there, too. But yet, you know, we're not seeing anybody come up with the victory. So – uh, it could be a Ford thing just overall, but, uh, I, I would find it hard to believe that Ford would ignore this year to focus on next year, but, uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Owen?
2: I have kind of had that thought that maybe, you know, like looking ahead to next year with a completely new car where it's supposed to be cheaper and uh, a lot of things are changing. I have thought that, you know, maybe... Ford as a manufacturer, or maybe Stewart Haas Racing as a team is looking more ahead to 2022. Especially, it would somewhat make sense with SHR just because they have two really young drivers and they're stable, but then again, if that's their strategy, are they you know, planning to just keep the same driver lineup for next year? Is that what they're going to do? Because if they are looking ahead to 2022, I mean, there are already rumors that Almirola is going to get replaced in the offseason, and if it's true that they're really not going all in this season. Is it fair for that to happen? Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I would say no, but if he gets replaced oh, because of his struggle with this year's car.
0: I apologize. Then... I need to interrupt you real quick.
2: Oh, yeah. Um,
0: to ahead. do the announcement, and I apologize for the interruption. But uh, in case we have any new listeners that are tuning in. I do want to let you know that we're going off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, and that means you will probably cut up the air mid-sentence. But we are recording the rest of the conversation so that you can hear that on our bonus overtime material on our podcast. So at, when we're finished here tonight, I'll go out on Twitter to let people know that the podcast is available if you've listened up to this point, all you have to do is fast forward to the two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of the conversation. So, Owen, again, I apologize for the interruption. I'll let you go ahead and uh, finish off your thought there.
2: Yeah, I think um, going back to SHR as a whole, I, I think it's just an interesting dynamic of how their team is built because they obviously have the big winner, which is Kevin Harvick, and then they've got the consistent, I guess, like, top 10, top 15 veteran in Elmerola, And then they got the two youngsters in Custer and Briscoe. And if their goal really is to look ahead to 2022, um, you would think that their other goal would be to, you know, build ahead with the core that they have. Um, but looking down in the Xfinity series and seeing Riley Hurst and uh, also guys like Matt Benedetto that are going to be free agents in the off season, it just puts that into doubt a little bit. So, Um, That's the only reason that I question uh, them maybe, you know, putting off 2021 in favor of 2022, Um, but it definitely has crossed my mind because they they appear way, way slower than they were last year.
0: Okay. Uh, Jay, that brings us to you to bring up the next topic.
1: Well, first off, I want to say when we started, I said, said I was a little frustrated or whatever, not happy with Owen, but I am happy you're back on since Sharon interrupted you and not me tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Going with the next hot topic, I'll, I'll go ahead and feed Mike uh, talking about Alex Bowman and the contract talks now, especially since he picked up a victory. And I know Mike has some thoughts on it as he wrote an article about. Alex Alex Bowman being on the hot seat.
0: Okay, Mike. It's your soapbox.
3: Boy, I tell you what, I'm really happy that we got that article pushed out uh, last week before Alex (laughs) Bowman managed to get the win. I I don't know that he's necessarily off the hot seat entirely. Obviously, a win is 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 about the best medicine that there can be to cool the seat down. Um, It all comes down to sponsorship money, kind of like I addressed in the article live now on Fanfare Racing blog. If you want to go take a look at it, Um, it all comes down to sponsorship money. And yes, Alex Bowman with Ally Financial has a solid sponsor on that number 48 car. But looking at the broader picture of Hendrick Motorsports as a whole, do they have a deep enough sponsorship uh, arrangement? uh, through all their different sponsors to cover a four-car team I don't know Uh, Obviously, Kyle Larson is running this season largely unsponsored. Almost all of his races, with the exception of Freightliner Trucks, have been covered by Mr. Hendrick through his various companies in the Hendrick Auto Group. Um, And William Byron, as well, over the past few years, has had about half a dozen races every year that have been covered out of Mr. Hendrick's pocket as well. Um, Rick Hendrick has deep pockets, but if Barney Visser taught us anything, is even a deep pocket has a bottom at some point. And at, at whatever that point is, it becomes financially not a uh, not a viable thing in order to keep financing four different race cars. So if Hendrick Motorsports does end up downsizing, as rumors have indicated in the past, it might be a possibility, well, then it becomes well, where where do they they make the cuts? I doubt that the defending champion and most popular driver is going to be on the way out anytime soon. So and they spent a lot of time and investment trying to get Kyle Larson on board, and he's been delivering very good results. So in my opinion, I think it comes down to uh, one of the two between William Byron and Alex Bowman. I think those two drivers are probably racing for their future security at Hendrick Motorsports. If that team is to downsize, both drivers have wins so far this year. Both drivers have been performing very well. Uh, William Byron probably consistently better than Alex Bowman, but both drivers I'd say are having a, a pretty solid season thus far. So seeing that Alex Bowman has some contract talks in the works, I think that's a very good sign and I really hope it pans out. Alex Bowman is an outstanding race car driver and I think he represents the company very well, but NASCAR is a very cutthroat business and unfortunately sometimes toes get stepped on and nice guys end up not being on the uh, on the inside looking on the way back out.
0: Okay, oh, and your thoughts.
2: Yeah, looking at Hendrick Motorsports right now of any team in NASCAR, they probably have if they stay a four-car team the most certain future. I mean, they have a guy in Chase Elliott who, like you said, is the defending champion, defending most popular driver, probably will be the most popular driver for the next decade or so. And then they got Kyle Larson, a guy who's going to come in and win races on a yearly basis for them, probably contend for a championship this year. And then William Byron and Alex Bowman, who, um, at least in my eyes, were both question marks coming into the season, but they've both got wins and they both appear to be taking steps forward as drivers here as they – get more settled in at Hendrick. season power rankings. that I honestly thought that the ally sponsorship for Bowman was going to clear up a lot of things for him. Because I know that last year, uh, ever since Nationwide has left the 88 team, the 88 team had issues with sponsorship. Uh, they were kind of just piecing things together with Bowman. And then with Larson coming in and knowing that he was going to be largely unsponsored, it seems that this was almost a – one-year tryout deal almost for Bowman is the way that I saw it in the sense of, you know, we'll give you the 48. If you have a good season, then, you know, or you show us something, we'll keep you around. If you don't, we may have to get rid of you because we need the sponsorship money. And I think he knows that as well as anybody that it's not easy to stick around. But when you look at other teams like Joe Gibbs Racing, Team Penske, Stuart Haas, there's, there are always going to be rumors that one of those guys, is going to be on the way out. Um, with with Joe Gibbs, you know, there are rumors that Denny Hamlet could go to his own team. There are rumors that uh, Truex is on the way out soon. There are rumors that, you know, there are always rumors that Brad Keselowski is going to leave Team Penske. And then there's the Almirola rumors at SHR. Um, of any of the top bigger teams, I would say that Hendrick is probably the most secure, assuming they stay a four-car team.
0: Okay. Um, another thing to kind of consider here is, and I don't know if uh, Jeff Gordon is still uh, the team owner for the 48 or not. Do you, does anybody know if he's still the team owner there?
1: I, bo- I that believe that be... is the one he is owner of, yes. So, yeah, the okay, question is, so... does
3: he own Alex Bowman's 48, or does he own a piece of Kyle Larson's number five that used to be the 48? Uh, yeah, he, he owns a, ma- a majority of at least one of the Hendrick Motorsports
1: cars.
0: Well, that yeah, and that's the point that I wanted to make is that there's some dollars that are available there, and Jeff Gordon is kind of the heir apparent. It should uh, Rick Hendrick decide that he's going to retire, and I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility either. Uh, is a is a uh, potential retirement of Rick Hendrick, so that that kind of uh, puts a little bit uh, uh, more information into it at least uh with what the situation could be at Hendrick Motorsports and and a lot of this is rumor uh, we're speculating here we don't have any inside information or anything but it's just some other thoughts uh, to kind of consider as you're kind of thinking about this a win for Alex Bowman certainly helps his situation, and it's a good time to start the contract negotiations uh, for whether or not you're going to stay for another year. Another win uh, would be really good for Alex Bowman or any of the other drivers uh, in that organization. Chase Elliott's been consistent. Even though he doesn't have a win, he is the defending champion, so I don't see an issue there. Uh, But these other two drivers, William Byron and Kyle Larson. They're they're kind of uh in a sticky situation as well. Uh even though they have a win, um, they're gonna have to uh, again look for that second win and try to try to uh continue to uh kind of improve their chances as well. So uh I I see Owen's point about uh Hendrick Motorsports kind of being uh, the more stable of all of them. They do have that backup plan uh, if, if if Rick Hendrick were to retire. Uh, but, you know, uh, Jeff Gordon uh, has been a team owner, but he's been a team owner with Rick Hendrick. He's been kind of the understudy there at Hendrick Motorsports for a long time. So uh, it, it will be interesting when that time does come but uh, he's got some pockets uh, that are kind of contributing to all of this as well, I'm sure. So Jay, I'm, I'm curious to know your thoughts.
1: Well, I want to say I didn't bring this up actually to argue with Mike. Uh, that's just a benefit of it. The uh, The other <laughs> thing I want to start with here is the, the analytics are supposed to be based on fact. I'm hearing a lot of rumor. And I don't know where the three-car Hendrick going to three-car rumor started I understand that sponsorship is an issue, and that is what funds things. But two points I want to make. Kyle Larson, I understand the position they're in with that, coming out, being good on the track, showing that he can still race, especially in, I'll I'll go ahead and say better equipment than he was at Chip Ganassi Racing, and proving that he can live up to that, second off of how he does continuous progression from the situation that got him uh, suspended in the first place. I think down the road we're going to see some more sponsors like Freightliner that come on board, especially as he runs better and wins. Same goes with Alex Bowman. Now, the issue with Alex Bowman, as I brought up when Sharon and I were doing the preview, there's several drivers I listed, Alex Bowman being one of them, is one win and making it into the playoffs good enough for you to keep your ride not about sponsorship or aside, put that aside, is one win and just getting into the playoffs enough, it's that seeing it run deep into the playoffs. And I use Kyle Larson there going back to that, even with Chip Ganassi Racing. He could get into the playoffs and as far as the round of eight. Because I, I always believed if he could get to the final four at that time, Homestead, Miami, that we could see him as a champion. So that's what I'm looking at is that one win or – being in the playoffs, just into the playoffs, enough for them to keep their ride. Because I do think, and I will say this with with Hendrick Motors or Hendrick, what is it, Hendrick uh, Cars dot com. That company is going to spend spend sponsorship money somewhere, whether it be on billboards or in, in the areas where they have their their uh, car lots. So I don't see that as that coming out of uh, Rick Hendrick's pocket. Uh, I understand where you're looking at it that way, but that company is going to spend sponsorship dollars somewhere. It's just a matter of where they're choosing to spend it. So I don't see that as an issue where that Rick is going to deplete himself because he's coming out of pocket like that. And I do think those gaps are going to be kind of filled. Obviously, Alex Bowman winning uh, keeps him at least relevant and into better contract negotiations. But at some point, one win a year isn't going to get it done. Uh, apparently nine wins a year can't get it done either, so.
0: (laughs) Okay, Mike, your follow-up.
3: Well, this may be the year where one win might not be enough to get you into the playoffs even. Um, Alex Bowman going into the Richmond race, he was 17th. He was below the cut line for the playoffs. Obviously, with one win, he's now above the cut line, but We've, got, we've discussed at that length on previous shows where there's a very, very real possibility of having more than 16 winners this year, and there could be drivers who are trying to point their way in with a win in their pocket. You've got, you know, Michael McDowell is another driver who has a win, but he may end up racing guys like Alex Bowman to try and be in a better points position in order to get those playoff spots versus 16 other race winning drivers. I think the only driver right now who I would start writing in ink on my playoff grid is Martin Truex Jr. With two wins. I really doubt unless he has some sort of catastrophic implosion and there are 15 other drivers who win two races. I'm pretty sure Martin Truex is the only driver who I'm absolutely 100% sure is in the playoffs this year. So Just having a win is great, but it may not be enough this year. With regard to the future of Hendrick Motorsports, Sharon, you talked about Jeff Gordon potentially taking over, and we talked about in the last show Dale Earnhardt Jr. potentially bringing junior motorsports up to the cup level for one or Mm -hmm. several cars. That may be a division that we see, and obviously we know where Alex Bowman got his start at Hendrick Motorsports, filling in for an injured Dale Earnhardt Jr., if Junior Motorsports comes to the cup level and Alex Bowman no longer has a ride at Hendrick Motorsports, he's got to be at the top of the list for a potential Junior Motorsports cup ride.
0: Okay, Owen.
2: Yeah, I think um, seeing that Bowman was getting the extension talk this early in the season as well, I think part of the factoring into that goes into um, JR Motorsports obviously being somewhat of a feeder program into Hendrick Motorsports' Cup Series team, and Hendrick seeing that there really aren't going to be that many great options going into the next offseason. I think looking at JR Motorsports and who they have right now, you've got two guys that at this point are pretty much Xfinity lifers in Annette and Allgaier. You've got Gregson, who while there is hype around him, Um, He hasn't shown that he can be a consistent winner, nor can he take care of cars. And so there's obviously a risk there and they're not sure if he's ready for a cup ride. And then in the eight car, you've got Josh Berry who's already on the wrong side of 30 and then Sam Mayer in the second half of the season, who's not even 18 yet. So I think looking ahead into the near future, they know that there really aren't many options for them um, in house and even looking at possible cup-free agents for the next offseason. It's a bit of an underwhelming uh, field outside of Matt Benedetto. So seeing that they were working already to extend Bowman, even with the win, it just shows that they know that uh, right now they're probably better off just sticking with what they've got and not risking losing any of those four drivers.
0: Okay. Yeah, those are some good points. Um, I, I do think – I like – What you brought up, too, about uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. considering coming into the Cup Series, and he would definitely be an affiliate of Hendrick Motorsports if he does that. He's already an affiliate with Junior Motorsports uh, in the Xfinity Series and, and a feeder uh, and, you know, they may be running into the same thing that Toyota ran into. They've got a lot of people in their development program and no place for them to go as far as rides. So uh, that that's just building for the future and, and opening the door uh, for some of these drivers that are coming up through their system. So, um, but getting back to uh, Alex Bowman uh, and Hendrick Motorsports in general, uh, i I do think that um, you know they've got a they've got a pretty good solid backup plan in place uh for their future, and we've brought up some good examples of that already so uh you know it kind of goes back to i guess what uh Owen was saying to begin with that of all the teams uh they seem to be the most secure when it comes to that, but I do also agree that. Some of these drivers are going to need more than one win to get into the playoffs. Because one of the things that we pointed out earlier in the show is that Denny Hamlin, who is the series points leader right now, uh, when the playoff begins, he gets bumped all the way down to ninth place. Uh, and it's another driver different driver wins at Talladega, he's going to be bumped back to 10th place. And every time a different winner comes, it bumps the regular season champion back another position. So uh, that's, that's kind of an interesting scenario uh, that I see developing here. And uh, the more one-race winners we have, uh, not only will Denny Hamlin keep getting bumped back, and any other driver at zero, but it's going to get to a point possibly where even a driver with one win can get bumped back below that line if it, if it continues as we kind of think it will, uh, with some of these drivers and get a surprise winner in there along with all the drivers that haven't won yet that are veterans and, uh, capable of winning, uh, it makes that scenario even more likely. So, some interesting stuff developing. Uh Jay.
1: Well, I got two things here now. Uh Mike, Where I'm gonna use a smaller, simpler word, math. Two wins is a one hundred percent guarantee in. Martin Truex cannot be out. You only got sixteen <laughs> drivers, twenty six races, you can't get more than that of two wins apiece. So that's a guaranteed. Your second win guarantees you one hundred percent that you're in. One thing as Sharon was talking there, it reminded me, we brought up junior motorsports with Hendrick, uh, the rumor of Hendrick possibly going to three. I think there would then still be four because if that were the case, I think one of them would become the fourth one would become the junior motorsports team. I know we kind of discussed that. Uh, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before. So that's kind of an intriguing possibility if all these uh, sponsorship issues uh Contribute to Hendrick going down to three If you will junior motorsports Coming in and taking that team Which would also eliminate the need for A charter so We'll we'll put that one on hold for, for Down the road because we'll have to see how it Goes but
0: Uh-oh.
3: It's that time again
0: It's that time of the night that we lose Jack for whatever reason Uh, so we'll let that be the final word. Uh, and actually after 1030, if you get cut off, he's not able to call, call back in. So, uh, Mike, we'll go to you. Do you have another quick topic that we can kind of put on the table here? Well, I was going to point out to Jay that I'm wearing
3: socks, so I couldn't count on my toes. So math isn't my strongest suit right now. Um, but anyway, (laughs) on to the next topic, um, this past weekend at Richmond, we saw another Kyle Busch, John Hunter Niemicek 1-2 finish with John Hunter Nemechek coming out on top. And it really makes me wonder, is Kyle Busch cutting John Hunter a break that he maybe wouldn't cut other drivers? And I'm not going to say letting him win, but maybe not trying so hard to pass John Hunter, knowing that that four-truck is racing for a championship.
0: Okay. Owen, your thoughts about that?
2: Yeah, I think that in terms of seeing what we saw in Richmond, and I think it was also Las Vegas, if I remember correctly, where, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to say he's letting him win, but I think he definitely is sandbagging it a little bit. He's not racing him as aggressively as he would normally race. Uh, I think he's just looking at it from the, the grand scope of things in that John Hunter Nemechek is probably the first championship caliber uh, truck series driver that he's had with his KBM team in a few years. And uh, he's voiced his displeasure with some of the drivers that he's had uh, in his program and the fact that they're unable to win consistently. And I think now that he has one that can actually legitimately race him for wins, he is going to be a little bit more uh, lax in terms of, you know, if it's yours, it's yours. Take it. Um, Cause he doesn't need the wins. He's just racing to see, or to put his name out there, to put KBM's name out there and attract more sponsors. Uh, John Hunter's racing for a championship, like you said, and he knows that as well as anyone.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. I I kind of felt like it was a half-hearted effort at uh, racing him at the end to make it a little more exciting. But, uh, uh, yeah, I do kind of get a feel. Uh, I can't substantiated in any way. But you do kind of get that feel that he's kind of not not really um, uh, given it his all, uh, like we've seen Kyle Busch do in the past. So um, uh, I think it all has to do with that championship. He wants to get another championship for Kyle Busch Motorsports at this point more than he wants to get another win for Kyle Busch. So that's what it all boils down to. Mike, your thoughts?
3: I don't want to accuse Kyle Busch of not complying with NASCAR's 100% rule, but I I kind of get the same feeling you all are. I think when when Kyle Busch is racing second behind John Hunter Nemechek, the Kyle Busch race car driver hat comes off and the Kyle Busch team owner hat comes on, and he sees five championship points going to John Hunter Nemechek that – John Hunter can actually use versus if Kyle Bush passes him, Kyle Bush can't use those five championship points, and John Hunter doesn't get them even if he finishes second as the as the first finishing truck series championship eligible driver so i I', I do think' it is point. that team owner hat coming on well that that as well, so I think the Kyle Bush team owner hat is coming on when uh, when John Hunter's leading the race. Uh, I think Kyle Busch, you know, if John Hunter makes a, a mistake, I don't think Kyle Busch is going to hit the brakes. But at the same time, like you guys have said, I think he is kind of, I don't want to say phoning it in, but maybe not Maybe not racing the wheels off of it, trying to get out ahead of his driver.
0: Owen, any follow-up?
2: Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at the the hole, I guess, of it, uh, why would he? I mean, like you said, he, he can't get the championship points. He's not eligible for a truck championship. Uh, John Hunter Niemicek is. John Hunter Niemanchek has a legitimate chance at winning the championship. Plus, he got wrecked out at Bristol Dirt. So, obviously, those points help him out a little bit as well. And I think Kyle Busch is also beginning to realize he is on, um, I don't want to say the downside of his career, but he is approaching 40 um, he won't be a driver forever and I assume that once he's done driving he will wanna be a team owner. So the more he's able to build up the success of his team right now, the more potential he has to uh continue to have success with that team in the future, whether it's stay at the cup or at the truck level or move up possibly to Xfinity or Cup.
0: Okay. So yeah, I agree with, with you. Um oh and why would he wanna <laughs> interfere with uh, John Hunter Nemechek's victory. Um, but isn't it kind of exposing a vulnerability uh, for NASCAR? That's the one thing with Kyle Busch. Uh, he has a way of exposing those vulnerabilities uh, within NASCAR. And I hate to see it because, I like seeing the cup drivers come down to the truck series and the Xfinity series on the occasions that they do. And I think the drivers enjoy it, too, because they love the idea of beating a Kyle Busch out there on the track. Um, So uh, hopefully, or I don't know if it's a hopefully or not, but, I do think that he might be exposing a little bit of a vulnerability there. Uh and NASCAR may have to take a look at it uh for any future uh, possibilities there. Uh but Mike, I'm curious to know your thoughts. Owen kind you of mentioned that, up. you know, that passing
3: the passing the torch kind of thing. Toyota's actually got a commercial that implies that a little bit. Um driver out there racing a super hard at Daytona, gets out it's Kyle Bush, he walks away he tosses the keys to, I want to say it's Harrison Burton, but I'm not sure, some some young driver who's standing there on the apron, and he says, it's your turn. So it's almost, you know, Owen kind of brings up that visualization of maybe Kyle Busch is kind of maybe not passing the torch yet, but at least getting the torch ready to hand it off. Um, and to your point, Sharon, about conflicts of interest, We haven't seen it so much with the multi-car teams. There hasn't been a significant issue with team orders in terms of uh, number one drivers being given the finish like you see in Formula One. However, as more drivers, Denny Hamlin is another example, become owners as well, it really opens that door for potential conflict of interest where you've got the team owner who is racing the car that he owns. How does that team owner uh, race that car on the racetrack. Obviously, he's probably not going to put the car that he owns in the fence, but it, where is that line where it's it's still racing versus where does it become a blatant conflict of interest? I don't know, but it may end up being something that NASCAR needs to address down the road.
0: Okay. Okay, that brings us uh, close to the top of the hour here, so we'll go ahead and start our round table, and, Owen, we'll have you kick us off on it.
2: Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at CF Stewart with an underscore. I will have my uh, post-Richmond Raceway power rankings coming out this week, and I will also have a quarter-season report card coming out. We are nine races in out of 36, so I'd like to take a little look at all things NASCAR in terms of giving them a little bit of a grade and seeing where we're at.
0: Sounds good. Mike?
2: It's Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike double
3: underscore O on Reddit. Got an article live now regarding Alex Bowman on the hot seat. It's a little bit out of date, but it's still a good read. I encourage you to go out and check it out. Uh, I'm not going to be able to do the show this coming Thursday due to a work conflict, but I will be at Talladega Super Speedway this weekend watching the Geico 500 live and in person. Man, I can't wait.
0: And, and we're going to get a fan of the track?
3: Well, of course See? you will. And then the week after, the week <laughs> after I'm doing a uh, – a track day at the Daytona road course. So I might even write a fan on the track article for that one.
0: There you go. That sounds good. Okay. So uh fan for racing sites on Twitter, fan for racing, uh, blog and radio everywhere else, including fan dot com. And uh, Mike mentioned his article. We also had uh, some other pieces up at uh, fan for racing, the power ranking from Owen Uh, The recap from Jay, uh, not Jay, but from uh, Sam. And uh, actually, Tommy had an article this past week as well uh, about uh, the possibility of a NASCAR return to North Wilkesboro Speedway is exciting, but no guarantee. Uh, He picked up some conversation about that on a Dale Jr. download. And uh, Marcus Smith's comments uh, was that they are looking into it. Uh, with no promises. So uh, an interesting article there by, by uh, Tommy as well. So uh, keep your eye out at uh, com for all those articles coming out. And uh, a big shout-out to our listeners for tuning in. We appreciate you uh, tuning in to hear what we have to say. And uh, we look forward to uh, doing another preview show uh, this Thursday night uh on uh fan dot com oh, I mean I'm racing radio so uh looking forward to the races at Talladega and a big shout out to our fan racing crew uh again, I appreciate you guys for all that you do at fan dot com and here on the radio show so uh thank you guys, and uh, I guess we're ready to say good night
2: Good night everybody yeah, good night, thanks for coming out and listening.
0: Okay, take care, everybody, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday.